Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and today I'm joined by John. Hello. And Murray. Oh, hello. And the three of us are going to be talking about The Empire Strikes Back, the second Star Wars film made and the fifth entry in the saga, if you're into that sort of thing. Story by George Lucas, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and Leah Brackett, directed by Irvin Kirshner, and is generally re regarded to be the best Star Wars film of them all. I don't think it's controversial to say that. <laughs> is it Lee Brackett or Leah Brackett? I thought, I think it's I've Lee. never been sure. I think it's Lee. I think, I think it's, Lee. it's Lee. I think I hedged my bets when I just said it just then, and then I was like, Leah. No You're like, oh, no one would, <laughs> no one would call me out on it on my very own podcast. So I'll, this <laughs> no, will be safe. No one would be such a massive jerk to blow up my <laughs> spot. <laughs> I'm all for being corrected if I get something wrong. Uh, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and Lee Brackett, and directed by Irvin Kirshner. And like I said, um, I don't think it's controversial to say that this is pretty much considered the gold standard of Star Wars movies, right? I don't mm -hmm. think. I, I, I don't would think... think that this is the reason. Like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Don't get me wrong, but. This is the sole reason that everybody thinks Star Wars is like better as than good it as it is. is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This like, is the gold yes. standard that yeah. fucked up the entire franchise. Yeah. Yep. That's a, uh, well. So let's so let's jump into it because one of the big things that I wanted to bring up later. So we are all in agreement that Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. Oh, hands down, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. There's <laughs> not even like for me. Like I guess I'm like super basic in the sense that the only other contenders are from the original trilogy. But even that, like. The next step down would be like for me a new hope, but that's like such a big step down, like from how good this movie is. I feel like the people that prefer a new hope or the ones that were like first wave I saw in the movie theater, I never saw anything like it before, and that blew their skulls apart. Like, yeah, and therefore, like, I feel like there's a special place in their hearts for the first time. But for that sure, being it's like said, the first album of a band you hear could be the yeah, worst one, I, but, I, but I, then I feel it's like gonna Empire be a favorite of the theirs. Movie. Yeah. Well, so. Here's the interesting thing about that. I mean, I agree that Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie at the end of the day. One of the things that I think this movie kind of ruins about the original Star Wars is that the original Star Wars is kind of this weird experimental standalone movie that works more effectively when there are no other sequels. Yeah, because like The Matrix of, 1. <laughs> yeah, well, part of what's so experimental about it is that it's this idea that you are walking into a random part of a story already in progress, and you don't have any context for what's going on. You jump in, like, in media rest or whatever the term is, <laughs> and it's up to you to catch up. And that's the conceit of the movie. Oh, what this movie does is is literalizes that. So it, like, retroactively robs some of what makes the original Star Wars so interesting and so unique. I don't know if I would agree with that a little bit, because I, I feel like you just caught the program late. You didn't see the first couple episodes. You're watching TV. Boom, Star Wars comes on. Oh, my God. This is all like a metaphor here. But like, <laughs> so you so you sit down, you're like, oh, my God, what is this amazing show? So you start watching it from there, and then Empire will just be the next episode. But I don't think that robs the first one of its glory. I, I guess like kind of like with my Matrix comparison is the Matrix as a whole kind of gets like uh, not as high praise as if the, the Matrix one was the only movie. And of course, right. obviously, Star Wars is massive and it gets like a ton of praise. But like but it's like the sequels of it lessened how great it was. And so like but with Star Wars, it's. The first one's great, no matter how you slice it. But I, I, that's why I, if I'm understanding you, I could, that's why I'll agree to that, that I could see that it 
took something special and then like by comparison just like everything <laughs> i don't know it's like everything in empire is like did what was so special in star wars but did it better yes well so so something that i think is really cool about the empire strikes back as a sequel to star wars is that it's not the expected sequel like it 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 could have been mm. really easy just to do star wars 2 right yeah mm -hmm. and yep. just do the same thing over again and George Lucas really has to get the credit for this. The Empire Strikes Back is completely different than the original Star Wars. And it actually, uh, this didn't even occur to me until I was rewatching it in preparation for this. The ice planet is the literal opposite of the <laughs> desert yep. planet from, yep. from Star Wars. You know, maybe that's so obvious that, like, I never thought to have the thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I, a big part of what I'll probably be saying a lot that this happens to me it's like a fucking ongoing thing that always happens to me it's like so i'll have a movie that i love say like empire strikes back or lord of the rings and i'll put it on so many times in the background 10 years go by and i've seen it so many times but then i'll sit down like and be like oh my i feel like i've never seen this movie before because it's just <laughs> now like it's like you're immune to what it's doing because you're so familiar with yeah, it. yeah and everything right. just seems broken up into like segments that are separate from the story. Like say you'd be like, oh, now this is Hoth. Oh, this is Dagobah. But like you're missing like the intricacies that tie everything together because it's like 100%. broken down on like um modular. So it's like I don't think I ever caught on to oh, it's the complete opposite of the desert sure. planet because it's always just been boom, ice, like uh, snow. That's that's what it is. We're on Hoth. It's funny, it's maybe it's old age music because uh as an actor, we take a lot of classes and you study a lot and you do it a lot. You you open up your your defenses a little bit. You become more vulnerable. So, like, I get more teary and choked up when I watch movies. And I was watching the carbon freezing scene when they freeze Han Solo and Carbonite. And I was basically just paying attention to how Leia and Lando and Chewie and all of them were just watching their friend die, basically. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it as in, like, like, we all know he lives, I've seen the movie 10 million times like you guys said, but what if this is like, what if I'm a character in this, and what if I don't know what's happening like these characters do? They don't know what's going to happen. And they're watching their friend die. And I I got like a little teary-eyed watching it. Like, I got I got the sniffles, and I was just like, oh man, like, this is a really powerful scene when you really mm -hmm. don't know what the hell is going to happen. And yeah. like, they're watching their friend die and, and they, there's nothing they can do about it like it's like it's frustrating for them yeah. it's it's an amazing scene i have a new appreciation for just how good the performances are in these original movies in this movie in particular like harrison ford oh my god he is mm -hmm. so good in this movie he gives it so much of the realism the groundedness yeah. the relatability you could argue the stuff with luke is sort of it's a little fantastic. It's a little less relatable. It's talking about the Force and, like, you're special and right. you're having a sword fight with the arch-villain of the galaxy who you, <laughs> you then find out is your father. As Mark Hamill puts it, he says it's very cerebral what he yes. had to do. What I was really realizing on this watch where Mark Hamill's performance is, is concerned, what he's able to do in those scenes where he's acting against a rubber puppet and mm -hmm. an aluminum garbage can <laughs> and... <laughs> And a ghost and a guy, that's not there. And a guy dressed all in black leather and robes with like this like huge like <laughs> mask on. Like the fact that all of those scenes play, and especially the Yoda scenes, the puppet is so good. Like the nuance mm -hmm. in Yoda's performance is so good. 
but it also it still wouldn't work if Mark Hamill wasn't so good acting opposite the puppet. That was true. There's such a razor thin margin of this movie being great or being like the shittiest movie ever. Like, because sometimes I'll be watching it and I'm just like, like, how did this work? Like, there's just like yeah. giant walking like yetis and weird robots. And like Darth Vader himself just looks like he looks great, but he's so close to looking dumb. And like with Yoda, like I'm not shitting on the Dark Crystal, but like it's certainly not Empire. It's like all the same things are there essentially between the two. But this somehow skated on that margin and is now like one of the best movies of all times where it just was so close to not making it well as john always says and i think this is the ultimate example of it is that it all comes down to the execution and i think this movie's secret weapon was really irvin kirshner the director Mm -hmm. and actually in preparation for this episode i watched the two movies he directed prior to the empire strikes back that i had never seen the eyes of laura mars uh, which is kind of like a supernatural thriller uh, written by john carpenter actually Oh, shit. No shit. And it's got Faye Dunaway, Mm. Tommy Lee Jones in one of the best Tommy Lee Jones performances I have ever seen. Really? I gotta watch this. That's that's a bold statement, man. Yeah. (laughs) No, dude. No, dude. No country, baby. It it floored me how good this movie was because, like, it's written by John Carpenter. It's a supernatural thriller. Um, I love John Carpenter. I love his work. But, like, you can imagine how in the hands of a lesser director, how a supernatural thriller written by John Carpenter could be a train wreck. Basically, like, and I obviously, like, I love John Carpenter, but it's basically when he directs his own movies that he, right? Like, there's a clumsiness to them. That's why I like John Carpenter so much. But it's just, like, even him directing it is a lesser director, even though he's one of my favorites. Famously, too, The Empire Strikes Back, it went really over budget and over schedule, which means that they were putting the effort into it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, so once I saw The Eyes of Laura Mars, which floored me, like, I don't want to oversell it because I could also see some people not liking it as much as I did, but I loved it. It really, it really floored me. And again, it was so clear to me, the reasons that I liked it were really, the director was really elevating the material. The performances were so good. The character moments were so human. You know, you could tell he gave them the time to find those moments. He was searching Mm. with them to find those moments, Mm. to find the right, the exact right note to hit. Um, His camera work is a little more sophisticated. Uh, than George Lucas's. He really moves the camera and creates new compositions and he lets the actors dictate the pacing of scenes a lot more. George Lucas, he sort of, he sets the camera down and he gets a bunch of takes and then he uses the editing to dictate the pace of the scene. Hoth and the carbon freezing room are good examples of that. When Han and yeah. Leia are bickering before he leaves or tries long to Long shots, and, uh, long yeah. shots. Yeah, long shots where if you're paying attention to the edit, you'll realize that they're going back to the same shot. They might cut it up, but you can still tell that like all of Han's coverage was done in one long take. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I do like here that I notice in Empire more than um, the other ones is like, it's the one to me that feels the most like actually lived in. Like this is their reality. This is nothing's mm-hmm. like fantastical or like weird to them. Like, and not that anything's like weird to say like Luke in the, the first one, but it's like when, when you go into the cantina, it feels like you could almost hear and action like right before they go it doesn't seem like they walked into a a bar of people living their life it seems like made for whereas empire especially in the beginning and in, in hoth and uh when 
they're like planning stuff. Like it just seems very, very lived in. Like this is their daily routine, their life. And I really it, like it's that. It's almost like in A New Hope, George Lucas as a filmmaker is drawing attention to the weirdness to the audience. Like yeah. look how kooky and weird this bar is. It might be normal yep. for the characters, but it's like the whole point of the scene when they walk in is to show how fucking weird it is. Yeah. But in Empire, you already know it's weird. And therefore, yeah. you're going to see these weird and things, but we're not going to draw too much attention to how weird it is. It just is weird. The two things that stand out to me with that is when they're in the, the asteroid, right? And he talks about, what are they, the Minox or whatever? Mm -hmm. They're scared until they see what it is. But then it's just like, oh, it's like, it'd be like, for like, what is that noise? And we look, it's like, oh, it's a raccoon outside. It's not like, oh, raccoon, what is that? Like, they just right. like, no. And in a modern movie, they would explain what the raccoon is. Yeah. But in this movie, yep. they don't. Like, oh, this is a Minoc. And they yeah, go, yeah, yep. <laughs> and then the other thing that, it's more of an acting thing. And I actually think of John a lot with it because it seems like he is living in that moment is when uh, he's cooking with uh, Yoda, right? And he mm -hmm. just takes like a handful of like crackers and like s sprinkles it on his soup. It's like, I don't, it's just the comfort in which he did that. It just feels like a lived in world. That goes to the nuance that Josh was talking about with talk, with acting against a Muppet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's a lot that Mark Hamill can bring to it. No, totally. It's sort of like what you were saying, like Star Wars, a lot of it is like, is like, hey, look at me. And this movie is like much more matter of fact. I mean, not to say one of the revelatory things about Star Wars is that for the time, they really did not spend a lot of screen time showing off the environments and the visuals like that. Mm -hmm. It is sort of presented matter of factly, but to use the example you brought up, the cantina, that's also what's happening for Luke. He's never seen this before, right? Well, but he would have seen the different like races or whatever he's- Maybe not. Well, uh, also- but Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. To, I'm not sure. Mer there was a couple of moments in the in the movie that I uh, was noting in my head about how weird it is and how amazing uh, the movie is by not explaining it or getting into too much detail about it. Now, the first example, I remember as a kid thinking the first shot, when you see the probe droid and comes out, it's like, wow, mm -hmm. you see this like, mm -hmm. fucking disc with like arms. As a kid, I thought that was weird. It's weird. It's supposed to be weird. And as a as an audience member watching it last night, I was like, you know, yet again, I bet they would explain this thing a little bit more if it mm -hmm. were if it were made today. And I'm glad they don't. But then there was one other moment, and it's such a, it seems like such a throwaway moment, but I think it's the perfect example of nuance and just having something that's really impactful without explaining it. Is after they capture the good guys in Cloud City, they cut to Chewbacca in his cell, and there's a screeching alarm going off that's making Chewbacca crazy and then they turn it off and then like that's it it's all I needed to see as an audience member to know that like they're just torturing him and they don't go into it there's no scene of two stormtroopers being like hey watch this we're really going to piss him off and hit a button yeah, yeah. And like because that would be done today and I'm so glad yeah. that they just like and it's such a weird cut like you would think like why would they have that in the movie and like they have it in the movie to show how bad it is for all these characters and what pain they're going through right now and, and, and it's like just purposeful like, too right because yeah. the whole point is to to torture it, them enough that luke feels it but like it's right? a quick moment like yeah, yeah. exactly but it's, it's just like a really quick moment and I, and I never really it's just something like you said that you it, see the movie 10 million times yeah, and it's yep. just like oh yeah then they, they the thing happens but then like when i was watching it and like really laser focused on it i was like what a cool fucking moment. They didn't need to have yeah. that moment in there, and yet it makes it better. It, 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 it defines so much for the characters and the atmosphere in the study. 
Before we get too much further, I want to ask you guys a question. Where did you rank this movie in the trilogy when you were a kid? Oh, see, as a kid, it probably was my least favorite because it's so dark and, like, adult, you know? I want to say probably Return the Jedi was my favorite, like, which is not surprising for a kid's movie, right? That's probably, like, the newest one that I would have seen. And then my my parents, their first date was A New Hope, so they were big uh, on on that. Oh, wow. And so, but for me, it's probably the one as a kid I watched the least because it, as a kid, it would be scary. Certain like shots of say like the bounty hunters or something like as a kid when you can't really process, even Dagobah might seem like scary and, and it just like, it's like a darker movie, but like darker, like, like Richard, like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's a more mature, it's a more mature movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other ones are like bright and friendly. I saw them in order. My dad used to have a connection where um, some guy was able to give him VHS copies of these movies before they were out on VHS or something like that. <laughs> like, or whatever. So they were like pristine, like amazing quality pull for the time. Return of the Jedi was the only one that I didn't have up until maybe about the age of 11. Return oh, that of must the Jedi. be so frustrating not to have Jedi. It because, was. Because Empire has no ending. And, then, yeah. and, 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 we, and we had to, at some point, we just ended up taping Return of the Jedi off of NBC. So we had to like gotcha. edit out the commercial breaks ourselves. Mm. And the point being was Jedi was my favorite. We used to rent it from the video store all the time. Mm -hmm. and, but that's also because like I was a little kid. Green's my favorite color. The green lightsaber. A lightsaber is <laughs> all I ever wanted. The Ewoks. My favorite environment to travel in is like a forest. You no, know, man. so the no, red like, force, like, like you don't have no, to, it's, it's not, it's not to justify it. I, it's not, it's, I don't, I'm not trying to justify it, but it's just like, as a little kid, there was a lot to grab onto. And it was also the one that I saw the least. So it was mm. like more special for me to watch that one. Otherwise I liked the first two on equal playing fields, you know, mm. they were like two chapters of the same book. And then it changed when I got to like 11 years old, I started to pay attention more and i realized that empire overtook the rest of them pretty quickly <laughs> after that when i was a kid my feelings were the exact same as murray's uh the empire strikes back was my least favorite return of the jedi was my favorite mm -hmm. i don't think that's an uncommon ranking for kids so as much as i love and can see that empire is the better movie now and as much as i can see that you know return of the jedi maybe has some flaws in it <laughs> um you know, maybe George Lucas was on to something when he he was making these movies the way he wanted to make them. And there was some fallout from this movie for letting Irvin Kirshner, who was enabled by Gary Kurtz, who was the, the producer, by letting him do his thing and be independent and shoot things in ways that George Lucas himself wouldn't necessarily have. And and all the, the extra time he took, which mm -hmm. was costing George Lucas real money. Remember mm -hmm. that George Lucas financed this movie himself. Those and are his independent whole, films. That's crazy. And that his whole future and his whole company was on the line. So, you know, you can really say, oh, well, like George Lucas, he didn't he didn't want them to be spending money or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, if you think about it, I really think he's justified in his concern about how long the movie was, no, yeah. was taking to get made. But so, so with that said, what this movie for me is a great example of, it perfectly demonstrates the difference between being a kid's movie and being a movie for kids, if that makes any sense. Because this movie does not try to be kid friendly, though it is a movie for kids. 
And by that, I mean, like, there's no dumbing down or pandering. It's actually the opposite. Like, there's a lot of stuff in here that maybe as a kid, you don't necessarily understand, but like, you, you kind of have to reach for it. And in my opinion, the best children's entertainment Sometimes there are parts of it that kind of go a little over their heads. There are things in there that they don't necessarily understand exactly, but they're curious about and they stick with them, maybe even scare the shit out of them and they never forget it. You know, those are the things that make them curious about the world in like a kind of safe environment, right? If that makes yeah, any sense. I could sense. see that. It's kind of like, this is going to be stupid. I, I just realized now it's going to involve Robert Rodriguez, but it's like comparing spy kids to like Goonies. Like one is sure. a kid's movie and like Goonies is just like made for kids, right? Yeah. A yeah. movie for kids as opposed to yeah, a kid's yep. movie. But there's yeah. jokes in Goonies that you might not understand as a kid. And as an adult, yeah. you're like, oh, I get it. You know, like it, yeah. it treats kids with intelligence. The Goonies. Yeah. For sure. That being said, though, I have never seen Spy Kids, so I have no idea. No, me neither. But I just know. I just like. <laughs> it could like, be the smartest so, kids movie that's ever been yeah, made. It could no be idea. like the, the Empire Strikes Back of kids movies. But. <laughs> so let's get into the discussion of the content of the movie itself, starting on the ice planet of Hoth. Something really interesting that I think we take for granted now the idea that this movie starts out exactly the same as Star Wars. It's got the Star Wars logo, and you could imagine for a second the audience seeing it for the first time being confused that they had maybe threaded <laughs> the wrong film in the projector. You know what I mean? The original storyboard and the original script for The Empire Strikes Back has the crawl not happening against a star field, but over the field, the ice field. Hmm. Right? Interesting. So what is being established here from literally the first frame is that these are not necessarily individual movies with their own identity. Mm -hmm. They are segments of a larger whole, uh, which I think yeah. really makes sense for this movie since like we mentioned earlier, it doesn't really stand on its own. Like it doesn't have no. an ending. The threads lead to a climax, but it just raises new issues that like there needs to be a follow-up. This is going to sound so cheesy, but that, the opening from like where it's like so quiet and it says, you know, in the galaxy far, far away, then there's that like pause of anticipation and then it hits you with the blaring thing. To this day, it oh, like makes me feel the same way. Like it's something that I'd never like, it never white noise or, um, or anything. It, it hits the same every time. And you're like, I don't know if it's just because you're such a fan, but it's like, you can't deny like the excitement that happens and with the fanfare, but it's also like the anticipation that they built. It's like a, almost like a perfect amount of silence on either side of it. Yeah, totally. It's kind of genius in those moments that they could just grab your attention just in the first couple of seconds of a movie. It's like, we have your attention. Here we yep. go. And they force you to pay attention. So going back to Haas, we spend the first 20 minutes just establishing this new dynamic between the three main characters. Mm -hmm. We don't even see the villains until 20 minutes in. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Which I, thought, which I thought was very interesting. Like the first 20 minutes is, is just about showing the new dynamic of these characters, which is not the same yes. as where we left them at the yep. end of Star it's Wars. It's a totally different dynamic. Yeah. It's, a, which is, it, it's a completely different yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Which is great because that goes hand in hand with what you said uh, earlier about the very first Star Wars just starting you in the middle of the story that you're even watching, which is something that it just when you said that kind of 
like hit me. I've always been like a sucker for Raymond Carver or even some Hemingway where you're just thrust into the middle of a story and you're trying to figure it out. And like the characters know what they're talking about. So they never need to explain it. And now it's making me wonder. It's like, oh, I probably because of watching Star Wars at such a young age, you never had like a clean cut beginning. And so that's where I got a taste for it. But I just love by having this new dynamic, it shows you that like, I, again, what I was saying when it was all lived in like a universe, like mm-hmm. life happened between the closing credits and what you're seeing now. And that's why they have new dynamics because it seems very um, genuine. It doesn't seem like, oh, who are these characters? Like, it seems like yeah. people that have been fighting side by side and living side by side and the tension's getting thicker. And there's even like the great things of what it was Han say when I bumped into that bounty hunter on. Um, on Ord Mantel. Yeah. And you're just like, they don't, you don't know what that is. You have no idea what, but it's just like, no, because they've been on other adventures that you're not seeing. And Right. There's some obvious aspects to that with like, you see Luke and they call him Commander Skywalker and he gets attacked mm-hmm. by the Wampa and you, you can tell that like he gets, he's seen some shit. But I think one of the best moments for Luke to convey that is when he hops into his speeder and he's like, how are you doing, Dak? He's like, I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. And then Luke's like, I know what you mean. And just by him saying, I know what you mean, it's like, this guy has seen some shit. And so yeah. some, some time has passed because he's no longer the kid being like, hey, what's that flashing? And asking, yeah. like, he basically was Dak in A New Hope. Yeah, right. And now he's beyond and now he's the, Dak. The leader, and now he's right? Rogue the Leader. And, yeah. Yeah, and now he's a commander and he's in charge. And like, yeah. but he also, as an actor and as a character, he's acting like it too. And mm. with, with uh, Han, you know, he goes from, hey, do you think this girl might be into me? To, like, he's clearly into her, and they clearly have some unrequited thing that they are arguing about, and he's leaving, and there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on, and they call them general and captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. Speaking of Han and Leia, I just had this thought for the first time uh, re-watching it. I get the vibe that Han and Leia hooked up already. Oh, yeah. I, I I get the same oh, vibe previous. too. Yeah, yeah. And this I, is kind of. I always thought that was inferred. Like I always thought that they like they. No, like as, it that that never occurred to me because as a kid, like I just wasn't thinking those terms. But yep. if you read the intensity of the fight, it's yep. like they fucked. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's the only thing that explains why they're so like mad at each other. It's like yeah, you know and, they fucked. Yeah, and that and maybe ruined whatever was going on. And, and, the other, and now it's and... at a whole other level. And with the funny, yeah. the great thing is that we can't infer who was right or wrong in the situation. Maybe there is no right and wrong, as it usually yeah. is in life. But like he's like, why won't you admit your feelings about me? And it's like, why would he say that? And then like, yeah. and then it's like, but he's also leaving too at the same time. Yeah. Well, because and he's pissed like, off that it never happened again. Yeah. And the fact he, that like, she doesn't seem to care that he's leaving, you know? And then it's just like, mm-hmm. does it, does it, does it mean anything? No, but it's not because it, but we're just you, inferring, you have the we're just feeling, inferring. but it's in the, you know, in the, the kiss scene, that's very like, you know, where Billy Madison got the like, Carl, so great to see you. Like when C-3PO walks in. <laughs> but um, it's like, she's like actively convincing herself that there's no feelings, right? Thinking that if she does it enough, it will like be true. And that's, he, I feel like sees through that well, also. So, and it's funny so you mentioned that because there's moments, there's a moment where um they're trying to get away from the Empire and he's literally saving her life. And she's like, one day you're going to be wrong and I wish I'm going to be there to see it. And it's mm-hmm. like, why yeah. the hell is she saying that to him yeah. in his ear while they're trying to get away from certain death? And it's like, so something must have 
really, really bad vibes between them before this movie started. Yeah, so they totally fucked. The, <laughs> the, um, uh, Murray, not to go too off on a tangent, but that scene, the kissing scene, I want to return to because that scene was actually what made me have that realization that, oh, I think they have already hooked up before this. A little bit of trivia they did when they shot A New Hope. Well, yes. They acted, <laughs> yes. and they kept it secret for like decades. Yep. But the tension's there. The structure of the movie is very interesting. Uh, uh, George Lucas talks about it a lot. And it's there in every single draft of the movie. Like the big climactic fight, the big fight with all the action and all of mm -hmm. the, the whiz-bang of it all is yeah. in the beginning. Yep. In, yeah. Instead of the climax. And it is, I mean, obviously now we don't question it, but like, it's really interesting that they brought Wedge back. Oh, yeah. Like, he was such a throwaway character in the first movie, and they keep yeah. bringing him back for each movie, <laughs> which I think is kind yeah. of a great little touch. So by Jedi, I get it. So, but in this yeah. one, like, well, to be fair, all the other pilots are dead. But um, <laughs> but they didn't have to bring back the actor to play Wedge. They could have he could have right. been another actor. Yeah. He could have been another character entirely. I mean, there was no reason for Wedge to be back there. So, but I wonder if that happened in the casting. If they were like, "Hey, why don't we bring back that guy? Like, he was good. He didn't he didn't yeah. die, so we can bring and him back." You know, that's probably like five hours worth of work for him. If oh, that. for sure. And then like that's it. And like so, I think cumulatively for all three movies, he probably worked like four days. You know, <laughs> if you really think about it. So it's just like, that's why uh, the actor, uh, Dennis Lawson, who also, as people, he's Hugh McGregor's uncle in real life. Yeah. Uh, but that's why he kind of spoke dismissively about Star Wars, I feel like, for many years, because he's just like, I, I didn't do anything. The cockpit. I didn't, I, yeah. I barely yeah, acted. Yeah. Why, you know, yeah. like, yeah. why are people so obsessed? It's like um, when uh, people ask James Conn about Bottle Rocket, and he's like, I, I worked on it on a weekend, like 25 <laughs> years ago. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah. Something that also st stuck out to me on this watch was General Rykan's a fucking badass. He's fucking cool. I was thinking mm -hmm. that too. And I was, yeah, I was actually like, sad that he never comes back for like other movies. And especially the way when, uh, you know, Han's like, yeah, well, there's a bounty on me. If I don't pay <laughs> off Jabba the Hutt, I'm a dead man. And Rykan's response is like, a death mark's not an easy thing to live with. As if like, as if like, as if he knew from experience. As if like, he gets yeah. it. And I was like, who yeah. is this badass? He totally understood. <laughs> yeah, but I know. but I also like, the who... fact that he's on the other side of it too. So either he's still living with it or escaped it somehow. Yeah, but, right. but on top of that, it also shows competency in with what he's doing. He's like, I got more important shit to deal with. You're the type of guy I'm not going to convince. He's like, have fun, Solo. You, you, exactly, like, exactly. He's just like, you're a good man. I'm, I hope to see you around. You know? I'm glad you brought that scene up because that's when I feel like you get into this real Spielberg mode of um, hyper-complicated camera work that the audience doesn't realize. Exactly, and it's invisible. It's, in those, it's invisible. It's the camera keeps moving. Stuff. And like in the same shot, uh, Han Harrison Ford walks from one frame to the other. He goes from one mm -hmm. depth of focus to the other depth of focus. He changes yeah. where he is in the frame. It's all perfect, and yeah. it's really just like it's really feeding the performances, you know. And then the it's editing like the, builds uh, the tension. Bad Hat Harry, the Bad Hat Harry, like yeah, shot. it's a lot of Jaws stuff. It's a lot of yeah, like, um, like, like like an ET when the when they focus with the guy with the keys and the camera goes to the cliff mm -hmm. and you see the neighborhood. And it's like this complicated thing. I'm getting in the weeds now, but like Empire does stuff like that. Maybe not as flashy, but like it's it's there. He's going to pay attention to it. And having just watched The Eyes of Laura Mars and the movie uh, he directed before that, uh, Radon and Tebby, which is a very interesting movie, just as a sidebar, is a TV movie that's about the hijacking of an Air France flight by uh, Palestinian revolutionaries where they... Oh, executive uh, decision. Yeah, right, exactly. Sorry. He does the same thing in... 
both of those movies, those invisible long shots where like it keeps following characters and creating new compositions as it goes. Also, they experiment with lighting in this scene too. Yes. A oh, lot yeah. Of no, the lighting in this movie is great. Monitors on people's faces, mm-hmm. um, the, the ice the hallways. Set. Yeah, the I was going to say the set of the ice hallway is like where it first yeah. hits me. I was like, this is the, not like any other Star like Wars movie. Like the blue light on Han and yeah. Leia when they're arguing so, and stuff yep. like that. It's just, it's so it's good. great. It's a lot of cool. They're experimenting with like all the potential that that atmosphere provides. Yeah. They, they give it to you, you know. Whereas by comparison, I think the lighting in Star Wars and Jedi are are way less interesting by comparison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like, they have moments. Moments. I think generally the lighting in those, the two other movies in the original trilogy are a little more flat and um, and less interesting. Uh, something else I wanted to note, on the Imperial side, all of the bit parts are fantastic British character actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of whom, who have appeared as villains in Doctor Who multiple times. <laughs> Like Julian Glover Hell and yeah. uh, Michael Sheard, who who shows up again uh, later in Last Crusade as Hitler as himself. Hitler. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the other interesting thing, though, is that I mean, not the shit on them, but I also thought that like some of the bit parts on the Rebel side are not quite up to snuff. Like I the, John the same Roth- thing. what's his name, Roethlisberger? Uh, not John Ratzenberger, Cliff Richards. He's good. The guy is like two fighters against a Star oh, Destroyer. Yes. Or the, um, when they're like, it's just three people sitting, and he was like. Um, oh, I know what you're what talking about. I know, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Is it like yeah. you see like a background? It's like a matte painting. It's like yeah, two yep. rebel officers and he's talking. Just like whatever you guys, it's like Resident yeah. Evil, right? He's like exactly. Don't open that door. Yeah. We'll clear all flight groups for immediate launch. <laughs> and that's actually Joe Johnston, the art concept designer, whatever. You could tell again, not the shit on them, but yeah, you know that's like if you're thinking of an actor, why does this right. actor? get a line you're like oh no it's because it's somebody but, on set like but zev the pilot that tragically dies who also rescues han and luke from the from the snow yeah. he's good yeah. uh general oh Reich, no yeah he's, he's great even the lady who speaks in the flat tone he's like ion cannon ready like that's fine yeah that's great Fire. but like but like specifically like the random ass soldiers it's like what yeah. the hell like yeah. there's a million people that want to be in this movie but these are the, i guess it's just I, like i like that they just the, got the, the shot done and that was it of that the flatness of that you know the ion cannon thing because yeah, that also that shows too. again the the world is lived in right it's like if you hear like air traffic control or something like that it's always like no vector nine uh-huh. For, like it's not, there's no emotion to it and you're for just what saying, they're doing like if the, if this ion cannon fails hundreds of people are going to die in that yeah. ship so she's just very flat matter of fact like ion cannon ready fire and then it works and then like it's not like okay guys i hope it works it's yeah, just because yep, like, yep. she has to like be a professional yeah. about it so on that note something that always really struck me when i was a kid and i was only able to really articulate it now is that there's no glory in the battle of hoth mm-hmm. well luke takes out the one thing by himself and wedge what i mean is like they are fighting to buy time to escape yep yeah they just they just want to get out there's no winning you can't yes yeah. exactly win exactly there's They're no winning away yeah the winning is to buy time to run away and the fact that leia does not want to do that because mm-hmm. she's like the last like it's admiral but there's something you could tell almost like there has to be the vendetta from um, Alderaan, right? Like, because she does not. Oh, sure. She oh, almost, yeah. She's not like saying that oh, anyone's like a coward from running. But she, it's like there's like a weird like obsession with her to not leave. And it's only at the very end that she like 
Get I'm really her. regretful. Like uh, she's the right, leader. Sound she, the, yeah. she she goes down with the ship. Like she takes that responsibility yep. very seriously. Something that we I, see again in the Last Jedi. Actually, mm-hmm. she she takes mm-hmm. she takes every loss very seriously. Uh, Murray, I think that's a fantastic point, though, because when you really think about the trauma that she experienced with Alderaan mm-hmm. and being tortured at the hands of Vader, yeah, uh, it's just like she would stay to the last man to try and be like the final fuck you to the empire if she could yeah. that's why she literally has to get dragged out of like yep exactly base, yeah you know which is um, a, it's a very good uh character beat totally is um uh, one thing though that is interesting is that it is subtext like you can try to justify it as a character trait but yeah uh, mm. uh what it what it really is is the writer is more interested or more it's more understanding of the interiority of the male protagonist than the female ones, mm-hmm. which I'm not yep. saying is like a reason to not like or enjoy the movie, but, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's just very clear. And I think in Return of the Jedi, this is even more the case that, you know, George <laughs> Lucas is not interested in what's going on inside Leia. He's interested in what's going on inside Luke. Yeah, correct. And the outside of Leia. For and the outside set. of Leia, yeah. if you go by Return yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah. 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 This movie, I'm fully convinced, would not work today because everything anyone's ever complained about in future Star Wars, like, you never, there's no setup that Luke can force pull his saber at all. There's no precedent for it. Precedent. Right. Uh, the only thing you can infer, though, is like, is like they, they have established a lot of time has passed between <clears throat> the first one and the second Very one. Very true. But that's a good point, though. This would be jumping ahead, but you meet the Emperor without getting any sort of clarification. Like everybody... a lot of things, a lot of things about this movie wouldn't fly with Star Wars yep. fans. Yeah. Uh, today, I'm glad you brought the lightsaber thing. That is the perfect way to set up the difference between Luke and Vader in the movie, because when you see Luke struggle that hard mm. to do a simple task, yeah. he gets it, and you cheer, and like, yeah, he got out of the cave. And then later on, when he's going to fight Vader, and you already know what Vader can do when he goes mm-hmm. up against Han Solo, you're like, Luke doesn't have a chance. Like, it doesn't yeah. even matter yeah. what, the, what Obi-Wan and Yoda tell him. We as the audience already know, just from seeing Vader interact with Han Solo, where he just easily deflects lasers with his fucking bare hand and easily takes a gun away from him like he's a yeah. little boy. You're like, oh no! But that being said, a couple of things about Hoth I like. Um, really establishes a lot of great character moments. We talked about it with uh, showing how they change and stuff like that, but also how they interact. And mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite moments, um, which is kind of meta about uh, the trilogy itself, but one of my favorite moments of, of that is when Luke and Han say goodbye to each other before yep. the battle. Because yep. Luke's like, they, they, there's something unsaid, and they both want to say how much they care for each other, but mm-hmm. they don't quite know how. And then uh, Han, and by the way, Han goes out of his mind to find out where Luke is and to rescue him at every yeah. moment that he can. And mm-hmm. then he's like, are you okay? He goes, I'm good. And he's like, and then have this moment. And he's like, be careful out there. And he's like, I will. And then they leave. You too. And mm-hmm. you too. And that's literally the last time they see each other until they <laughs> rescue him in Return of the Jedi. It's kind <laughs> of crazy. Wow. When you, that's crazy. That's the no, last yeah. time they see each yeah. other. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'd never. You know? Yep. And it's just like, but it's like, but there's a lot of unsaid, like, our lives are kind of, it's like, it's almost like it's like, they look at each other and it's like, our lives are kind of crazy, isn't it? And, but like, mm-hmm. but they're also, I guess you could go into like, maybe toxic masculinity and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it's like, they just don't know how to express it to each other. 
Yeah, I mean, they're emotionally like they, stunted and they don't know exactly, how to how yeah. to express their feelings. Sure. Yeah, like he's 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 all about Leia. Like, hey, why don't you tell me how you feel? But with Luke, he's yeah. like, uh, be careful. Yeah. You know, like he's an awkward man. You know. Another way to read it is that both of them are like, we may be about to die. Exactly. Yeah. All of that is yeah. there. It's all of the subtext. But, yeah. like, but they're like also they know this might be the last time they see each other. But there yeah. is there is yeah they don't know how to express themselves. There's that, but also. They do know what each other is. Exactly. So yes. they don't have to say it. They, so they don't, don't have, have to say, say it. it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It, it, but, but it makes it that much more beautiful. Because yeah, no, like, no, exactly. they, so they want to, but they moment. don't have to, yep. and they don't know how. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like all three, and we as the audience project so much meaning onto that brilliant moment. I feel like if it was done by another director that's not Kirshner, they'd be like, hey, you're a good kid, you're good. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, you know, go kick some ass. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, but, like, but in this scene, it's like they have like that, like the ending to the graduate where they're on the bus. Yeah. Like they just had this moment where like we as the audience are like yeah. projecting so much into yeah. that silence. And it's such no, a good use no, of totally. it. It makes it that mm. much heavier before they go and out even to this, possibly die. And even the staging of it is very interesting. Like they are separated. Yeah. yeah. They're not on the same level. Han is all the way up here and Luke is all the way down mm. there. And Luke almost in a way always looks up at Han, I feel like. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of works a, as a metaphor yep. too. Yeah. There's a cool thing the on hot that they set up and it they kind of it really it happens like it's a running joke but it happens and it also sets up how he survived the the carbon dating is like because there's like a seven what like a 725 percent chance or like to one percent chance that they would survive the night but han finds a way to survive the night and then getting oh, through the astral field there's um there's seven thousand three hundred and twenty to one Never tell me yeah. the odds. And then he's like, never tell me that. So it's like the fact that it's a slim chance, they're like, no one's ever survived carbon freezing, but it's like, there's something about Han that always is flying by the seat of his pants and somehow beating the odds. He would always every... beat the odds. Flying mm -hmm. by the seat of his pants, something I want to return to, because there are a couple mm -hmm. moments in this where like Han, he just, his first instinct is like, like some crazy shit, but it's the the only way forward. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. like um when the hyperdrive malfunctions again. Oh, which is actually a really funny running gag throughout the movie that that I didn't really realize. So, but it even happens three times. So it's even like you know structured like a joke. Yeah, I mean, like, like a the sitcom. Three, yeah. And every time it happens, you're like, oh shit, again. Of and course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. even yeah. even when it when it skitters, it's like whop 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 whop. Yeah. It, it actually sounds <laughs> like that sound. when it's yeah, not yeah, working. Yeah. You know? Right, it, it's good. right. No, it's a funny. Time. So, but. His first instinct when they're being chased by the Star Destroyer is to be like, no, okay, I'm going to turn around and fly right yeah. at them. Yeah. Well, that's from, from New Hope, right? And collide and When he like... goes charging in at the... Uh... Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, and then he's yeah. like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, it's all yeah. established. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot and, that. I forgot that. You're right. And one little point just to show we're talking about the characters of the good guys. Hoth does the perfect example of showing Vader's resolve because when, <laughs> when Vader shows up, He's in front of the stormtroopers, yeah. walking down the hallways, his weapon safely on his belt. He doesn't give a fuck because nothing anyone does is going to stop yeah. that man from walking down that be... hallway where he wants to go. And that says a lot about that Something character. about his power that, like, literally every person and gun and everything in this base is not a threat to me. Like, that's yes. like, right. awesome. And he's not, he's, he's walking like he's walking to a board meeting. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, it's so funny. It, it, like, it's almost kind of casual. Yeah, it's, it's very judicial, casual. you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just like, he doesn't give a fuck about yeah. what may approach him in the hallway because he's mm -hmm. got it covered, you know? Yeah. Could I 
ask the most confusing line in all of Star Wars is Han goes, I'll see you in hell. And you're like, well, this <laughs> opens up a whole can of worms here. And not that we have to get on onto it, but like, do they have like a punishment afterlife? How, like, what is going on there? Well, it's, I know uh, it's just a phrase, but why would they have that phrase? That well, would that be like if, up, if Han well, hits his thumb and like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, like, yeah. you'd be like, that well, doesn't fit. Well, yeah, well that uh, comes up a lot throughout the movies. There are, are like certain colloquialisms that, you know, they shouldn't actually be able to have. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, this is a bad example of it. In The Phantom Menace, when um, Hugh Quarshi or Captain Pinnock or whatever, he goes, oh, without the shield generator, we'll be sitting duck. How do you know what a duck is? Yeah, you have ducks? Right. Oh, I didn't have um, the one thing I will say, Murray, is that I, I just quickly looked it up while you were talking to verify it. Nerd. In Norse mythology, they do have their own version of hell. And it's, it's it, I think it's like, it's called hell, which maybe, mm. I'm not sure where the word came from. But, but I guess like, for me, but you just know because how, like, it's they're, just one of the scenes where they're it's going a cross-cultural planets concept. And they're, like, it doesn't seem, like, I don't know, it was just so jarring No, well, there, me. Yeah. So there's another way to look at it where it's not jarring, because if he had said, then I'll see you in insert sci-fi word with a lot of X's and Z's. Yeah. It's unpronounceable. Or something like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then, then that yeah. really would have pulled you out. Yeah. Well, some yeah. things you have to do like the, not like the, mis not a mistake, but do it incorrectly. And like this. Yeah. Well, like, like, yeah. Well, like it's sort of a conceit. Like, for example, how are all these people speaking English? Yeah. yeah. I was just yep. about to say, they, yeah. they're all speaking English with like, with uh, American or British accents when they all should be speaking Something totally alien. Mm. So, I mean, the buy-in is like an understanding with the audience. There are yeah. certain things you just yep. shouldn't think too hard about. Yeah. Though, but that yeah. said, though, but that said, I mean, it makes sense to me that there's some religion that believes in a, yeah, a version of hell. I mean, it's not like, I mean, yeah. it's not so, so crazy. It would be a lot uh, crazy if you said like Jesus Christ as an exclamation. Well, that's what I'm saying. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah. be different though. Cause that's a specific yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, person. I don't think it's as jarring as if he had said, oh, Jesus Christ or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you just but said it always hell, like, fine. maybe, you know, I was just, I was just like, oh, that like it never fit. But yeah, you guys make up a, a very good point. Like if you're going to have a line like that, which is important because he's literally like, I would rather die trying to save my friend than leave him to die on his own, which is very right. Han Solo. Yeah. So he needs some sort of dismissive line. And he's also kind of saying like, hey, buddy, like, we're all going to hell. Like, like yeah. no one is getting out of this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, we're all going to die. Like I'm going to find my yeah. friend before we die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so choice to use that colloquialism, what that says about the character, I think, is, is more important than, than the... the yeah. Yeah. The artifice 100%. of it all. Yep. Yeah. You know and I mean? then he puts on his Yankees cap and he's like, pass me the yeah. Mountain Dew. And he goes right yeah, out right. Yep. <laughs> and then he shotguns a Red Bull and fucking crushes <laughs> the can <laughs> on his head. Oh, but that's a good point, actually. I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> Moving on from Hoth, we split up the characters, which is an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. And I actually realized that Lucas, he does something similar again in Attack of the Clones where he splits up Obi-Wan so Anakin and Padme can go off and fall in love. Mm -hmm. And in this one, he splits up Luke from Han and Leia, so Han and Leia can go fall in love. Mm -hmm. And then they return to each other in a similar way. Someone's in danger and needs and needs rescuing. Although in Attack of the Clones, it's a little flipped. It's the solo guy, no pun intended, but uh, the guy <laughs> on his own, the ostensible hero who gets in trouble, and the B-team or whatever like has to stop what they're supposed to be doing and go and rescue him. It's like poetry, it rhymes. In a way, like Luke's only the A team in this movie because he's Luke Skywalker. Like in terms of like 
screen time and mission and everything like that. He's total like B team in of this movie. Do you know what I'm it's, saying? Like it's it's, it's no, funny because yeah, it's a saying. very heavy Han Solo Leia movie. Yeah, I never quite thought about it, but when it, it's it's weird because Han and Leia are doing the heavy lifting when it comes to the action thrill ride that is a Star mm. Wars movie, but Luke is doing the heavy lifting with Yoda to establish what Star Wars is is to, yeah. like or like yeah. as like the mythos and the culture mm-hmm. of what the Force is, you know. And combined, I shouldn't say what Star Wars is, but like. What the no, kind deeper, of, kind yeah, of like, but I feel yeah. like, but you need the, I mean, certainly what it becomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you do need like the romp that is Han and Leia to be Star Wars too. Otherwise it just becomes yeah, to like, balance it, it out. becomes yeah. like Star Trek and academic if you don't have. Yeah. So moving on to the stuff that happens on the Falcon with Han and Leia and all the stuff in the asteroid field. The first question that I want to ask, who put the door on the Falcon and why on the cockpit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're saying between. Yeah, between Star Wars and The Empire mm. Strikes Back, in the original Star Wars, there was no door on the cockpit. You saw through to the corridor. And now in this one, all of a sudden, there's a door. I never really thought to ask maybe why. Maybe the maybe there is a was there a doorway in the New Hope? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so maybe I mean, the door was, was just always open. Right. No, but so I think I know the reason from a dramatic standpoint. It's so you can have scenes where Han and Leia are alone. Correct. Mm-hmm. I was just noticing, I was just yeah, making yeah, yeah. note of the fact mm-hmm. that, that now there's a door and in the first one there wasn't. So, so yep. someone I want to spend 45 to, oh, minutes in, talking about the door in the cockpit. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's get down to brass so, tacks. The door in uh, the cockpit. Uh, what but, the fuck? So it was probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Irvin Kirshner who was like, uh, we need a door here so I can play these scenes out with Han and Leia alone probably. together. That's yeah, probably how it went. Yeah. Han Solo covering C-3PO's mouth. One of the best jokes in the whole movie. Very like subtle and underrated, and I think it's the humor great. in this movie is so good, yeah, because it all is subtle and all works. Even the unsubtle stuff is still really funny. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's great moments. Uh, Harrison Ford always points in in these movies, but that's the best mm-hmm. use of a point is when three PO is talking to him and he puts the finger up and three PO just starts yeah. stops talking. Yeah, but then three PO says his his stuff. And he's like, I knew that. And he goes to Chewie and he's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I got to tell you 3PO's idea, but taking all the credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and so 3PO good. notices. Yeah, he like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? he's like, what yeah. the fuck, you asshole. I know, he's like, come uh, on. <laughs> I want to return to the, the Jedi, uh, the, kiss- <laughs> mm-hmm. the kissing scene. And like I said before, this was what made me have the thought maybe they had hooked up before the movie. Because watching it now as an adult. It reads a little uncomfortably to me because she does say stop and mm-hmm. he doesn't. Mm. And there's literally nowhere for her to go. Right. Yeah. So she can't get so past him. Not only can she not get past him, but they are stuck on the ship together. It's yeah. true. Right? It's true. And she has anxiety really bad when she falls on his lap and he's like holding on to her, like, which seems like for safety's sake, but clearly she's not feeling that because he doesn't look like he's trying to make a move on her he's just like she fell onto his lap and he's like holding her because the ship's rocking but she's like let go like yeah but then he makes a joke about it so like so like she's clearly freaked out Mm -hmm. and he's not taking her seriously like he makes a joke about it the only thing that i want to say though is that this is one of those things that reinforces this idea that has existed in mass entertainment and in culture for a long long time that the way to get a girl to like you is just a matter of persistence and sure she's saying no but that's just because you haven't tried hard enough and she'll come around eventually i I think is the nice way they put it force courtship 
I think because I think that's how they explain it in like Gone with the Wind and um, oh, interesting. Even like Outlaw Josie Wales, maybe was that it? Oh no, I'm sorry, Pale Rider. I think where he like rapes the girl like right in the the beginning, but he's like the good guy, and then. I mean, it, we love the movie, but Blade Runner has that really weird scene. Yeah, where it is yeah, just like a Blade Runner's got that real, no. yeah, like a forced courtship scene. where, like, somehow they. That's a very polite, a very no, exactly. polite way. No, it to, is, yeah. but I think that it. was the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, a rape scene, there's a, a story with yeah. um by Brees DJ Pancake. He's a short story writer, and his mom. There's a story of his mom being like, "If this is true, you clearly like attacked that girl." And he was like, he said something. He like downplayed it as like forced courtship or something like that and you're just like oh that's horrible oh well the thing that i think saves it from going even further is the fact that it is a movie for kids yeah yeah the reason why it made me have the thought oh they must have hooked up before this and han knows or han thought she she was into it then and that's why he's he's sort of like Hey, I know what you're thinking. I know you're saying no, but like, yeah. I really know that you like me because I'm a scoundrel. Like, you like this. And I think the reason why he's so mad, you know, which is fucked up, but the reason why I think he thinks he can say this is because something did happen between them already. Yeah, they have like a history that he's like relying on. Now, that said, because right. we don't see it, it's still problematic yeah. as fuck. Oh, I'm yeah. Not, like, and she runs I'm not... away as soon as uh, yeah, C-3PO as, interrupts. As soon as she gets... Yeah, she doesn't as, stick as, around. As, yep. No, so, so which is also something that I know is an experience a lot of women have where they do let them have the kiss because it's just easier to do it yeah. rather than, than risk making the guy mad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing. And so the fact that she then immediately runs away as soon as she has the opportunity, mm-hmm. that also reads as, like, not, not great. I think you're right. I think this is just a symptom or uh, it's just like yeah, it's just symptom evidence. of it's yeah. just it, yeah. of the of the culture of the time, you know? Yep. Back back in those days, there really was the uh she's playing hard to get idea yeah. and culture, which I hope that I think we're getting rid of right now. But that's something that they're really playing into. But also on top of that, Han Solo is an asshole. So yeah. when right. he's in with a heart with a heart of gold, I, I guess. But like so he's being an asshole. And he's doing the she's playing hard to get, which does not look good, you know, no, no. when it really yep. comes down to it. Uh, but that being said, too, like, we're kind of joking. Maybe they hooked up in the past. There's something very wholesome I'm about not Star Wars. Yeah. Well, but what I'm trying to say is that, like, I think as adults, we can infer that and it works really well for the characters. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it seems pretty clear that they did. However, there's something very chaste about Star Wars, too. So... I wouldn't be surprised if, like, it's on the record that they never did anything up until this movie to give them a bigger moment. But um, yeah. regardless, yeah. this is not a way to explain anything. I'm just kind of dissecting what we're looking at here. Yeah. But it's it's definitely uh, yeah. a problematic There's, No, it's scene. problematic. But I think what also the movie kind of is resting on, besides it being, like, kind of like at that time, it was almost like, blindly going past people like no one's seeing it through the eyes that we're mm-hmm. seeing it now in in 2020 but they're also if they did hook up i think they're kind of with that implication that almost like they have their own dynamic that you're right. witnessing you know like now and it doesn't make it any better i think what the movie's trying to do to give it the benefit of the doubt is to try to show that leia can't concentrate on anything else but the mission and Han is maybe someone who's trying to get her to sure. grab yeah. onto her humanity, but sure. that doesn't excuse it. I think they, the I think they could have maybe ever. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like 
I, but it's one of those things where it's like, um, like you brought the Blade Runner scene. Um, mm -hmm. That scene is is pretty fucking bad. I feel like if these movies were made today, they would definitely need to get rewritten with those scenes. And they would definitely sure. need to talk to a fucking woman about those yes. scenes. Yep. <laughs> a yeah, lot of it is men, men, yes, men aligning women yes. is not, yes. it just doesn't go well. The scene with the Minox and mm. the space slug, I love it because it shouldn't work. It's it's just black yeah. curtains and and mm -hmm. a fog machine yeah. and like a couple of plastic wings on like rods. It's mm -hmm. so Doctor Who. It's so like nineteen seventies Doctor Who. And them just Doctor like Who. rocking themselves. Yeah, like, I yeah. Can't. it is like, so like it yeah. is so classic. And no money. It's that razor thin margin of being awesome or yes. like complete shit. And, like and it's, yeah, but things, it works. And two, yeah, yeah, and two things about that one excellent observation about the set because they you do that beautifully in the carbon chamber room there's a lot more stuff going on but if you notice in that we'll talk about it but there's literally no walls on that set mm, uh it's right. just like a blue background but also i love the like you know people talk about in star wars like oh there's no sound in space and la da la da dude they're in a fucking asteroid with no atmosphere in the stomach of a worm yeah. And they just go out with like these little like masks on their face yep. as if they wouldn't pop or they have oxygen. It's just like, yeah, yep. and I love how Star Wars is like, whatever, okay. it's yeah, Star who Wars, a who yeah, gives yep. a shit? And well, it works in some weird way. Like you yeah. said, Josh, it's like, it's like Doctor Who, but it's like, it's like, yeah, like they're in space. They can't just walk out with it instantly dying. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, but it's like, it worked in some weird way. It's the atmosphere of the, of the worm stomach. And the gravity of yeah. the asteroid, sure, yeah. whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm not thinking too hard about it. But they're not asking you to think hard about it, you know? Right. They're asking um, you to think about the tension of the scene. I just had two minor things that I loved about the asteroid scene. They both involve Vader. One is like when I was saying the the lived-in feel of it is when he's just like walking away and like everybody's going about their business and even that little remote control like droid is just going, but like no one's paying attention to it. So you get the idea that it's, that's just what it does all day long. It has its mm -hmm. thing and it's just like running around. Like no one, he doesn't sidestep it. He doesn't look down at it. He's just like doing his thing. Like, so it feels like what it would be like at your office at work, you had like a, an air conditioner that just mm. like, made like a clunking noise every mm -hmm. hour like you wouldn't just be like what is that you would just like oh, who cares whatever the other one was when one guy that's doing the hologram gets like yeah. destroyed and vader could not give a fuck like and it's such a throwaway joke yeah yep he, he just dies off in the corner and vader's just like going about his business and i think that's very a good character trait but also the story, like, I don't know, like, I keep just saying the world is, like, yeah. actually feels lived in. and No real, one's ever, like, what happened opera. to General Larry? They're just like, oh, yeah. he's gone. They don't even don't even acknowledge it. Like, Vader yep. just continues his sentence like it. Well, like they might nothing. not be able to see it. Only That's Vader's true, the only Vader, one that could see it. And he doesn't care. And he just doesn't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> because um, he kills them whenever he is, like, even slightly annoyed with them. He's just like, oh, yeah. I, I don't care. Like, you're Bad dead. business like, you're model right there. This is also the same section in the movie where Vader talks to the Emperor for the first time. This is the yes, first time we see yes. him. Now, I watched that. the version of Star Wars that I, of Empire Strikes Back that I watched is actually the original version. Oh, uh, good for you. Redone Lucky, I watched the, Disney Plus bullshit. Which, by the way, as special editions go... It's the best uh, the, one out there. The Disney Plus version of the Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. is the one that I will watch 
casually whenever because they didn't do yep. that many changes and it's, it's yeah. actually pretty great you i know, just love a... the look of the original emperor yeah. no no it's so yeah. creepy they used like a chimpanzee's eyes yes. and they, yeah yep and they matted them on the face of a woman and clive revel is an actor yep. who provided the voice very and deep it's so, voice it's, it's it's so creepy that's that's an interesting thing because it's the first time we see the emperor uh, this movie is actually the first time we see a lot of Star Wars hallmarks. Boba Fett, yep. the Emperor, Lando. Boba Fett, the Emperor, Lando, Yoda, the Imperial mm -hmm. March. Indeed. Like, <laughs> how much fallout in The Last Jedi? Because like, who's Snoke? We don't even know who Snoke is. It's like, you didn't know. know who the Emperor was, but that was the didn't bother you before. Like, So that's what I'm saying. This movie could not work today. Right. And so uh, I, I think it would, but I think I think it would, it would, it would for critics, up, but counter. it wouldn't. It would work for... For critics, but it wouldn't, it would not work for fanboys. I think. Well, because this movie subverts expectations. That that yeah. phrase that is like trotted out <gasps> as if it's like a mistake. <laughs> I mean, literally, like this was not the movie that people were expecting it to be. Mm -hmm. And it actually got split reviews when it came. out I was going to say, I wonder. Yeah, maybe I'm saying it wouldn't work today, but maybe it didn't really work it, back it, then. In in the same way that Last Jedi doesn't work today, but with some people it does. Like maybe you're it was right. the same thing. Go back uh, and read the original reviews. A lot of people, like a lot of critics, were like, "This is not what I wanted it to be. It's mm -hmm. a different movie. It's blah 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 blah." But I was going to say because I didn't want to lose track of the Emperor scene, so I watched the original version, and then right before we started this podcast, I watched the special edition version of that same scene. Yeah, and. There's something about the original version that I like more. And the original version, the dialogue is very similar. But in the original yeah. version, uh, the Emperor is like, Luke Skywalker has to be stopped, yada, yada, yada. And Vader just gets straight to business. He's like, he's just a boy. I think we can turn him. He's like, can you do it? Yes, okay, then we'll make it, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you watch the special edition, uh, he's like the son of Anakin Skywalker, basically Luke Skywalker, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then um, Vader is like, how can that be? As if he's just learning that he has a son. And the Emperor goes, search your feelings, whatever, you know, it's true. Right. And then they continue business. And I think the original one preserves the special uh, surprise at the end of the mm -hmm. movie because it was made first. So if he had him saying, how can that be? You'll be asking yourself, why is he asking that question? Yeah. Also, besides preserving the surprise, I think... It also preserves the character of Darth Vader. And the reason why I say that is because Darth Vader really changes when Luke decides to kill himself at the end and jump into the pit. I, that and was Luke, totally missed on me when I was a kid. Yeah, because you think he slips yeah. or something. Yeah. But, uh, no, but, I, so, he planned it, I thought. Like, cause yeah, the way same. Perfectly, oh, yeah. Sure. But uh, what I was going to say was that I think Vader is almost the same Vader for the whole movie up until that point. And that's when he like has a telepathic conversation with him, come with me, and he mm -hmm. deserts him. And then even when he walks away, when they go into hyperspace, he looks almost defeated. Now, I feel like if they, I'm sorry, I'm, getting, I'm really in the weeds, but I feel like if no. they brought in the surprise of him saying, how can that be? He's already starting to change at that moment. Mm. And I think it works better with him changing later like they're telegraphing it they're, they're telegraphing the surprise and they're telegraphing his arc and i feel like they should do neither well that's interesting because the other way you can read it you know later on in the movie he basically says to luke hey you should join me together we can overthrow the emperor you can he's read changing it as, in that moment but you can read it as that's what he's planning his this whole game. time yeah like a... and he's pretending to the emperor that oh he had a son this is the first i'm hearing of it yeah but 
I mean, like, I, I, if you just watch the movies, this is the first time he's hearing of it. So it, it does work on the surface. And it, you could give the benefit of the doubt that he's playing the Emperor too. But it, it, if you just take out that line like they had in the original version, there's no need to even sure. have that question because it's already established that he doesn't give a fuck about anything except for himself. And uh, well, the problem is, and the reason it's there is because because um, they made the prequels. Yeah, because they made the prequels. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's literally why it's there. <laughs> no, I know. So he should have a bigger reaction. But at the same time, I I feel like it works even with the prequels existing. I think it still works because it shows how far gone he is because he says to Luke that Anakin is dead. I agree. So I think mm -hmm. as he's now Darth Vader, he's no longer Anakin. So they're like, hey, we need to kill your son, Luke Skywalker. And, and Darth Vader's like, dope, let's do it. Because to him, it's like he's He'll just... either die, join us, or die, or whatever. Well, I mean, right. like, to the Emperor's face, it's like, it, it would be believable if he would be like that because to go to the dark side and to be that bad and evil, it's like, Man, this guy really is more machine than man. Like Obi Wan said, he mm -hmm. really is fucked up. And then, as we all know, there's still something deeper. There are a couple of things I want to mention that I liked about the stuff on the Falcon. No time to discuss this in committee. I'm not a committee. That's such a great line. I yep. love that. that that's mm -hmm. so that's so good. Oh, and what I was talking about Han's maneuver when the hyperdrive doesn't work. His first thought is, okay, we'll fly right into them then, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's such a ballsy. A maneuver completely born out of like total desperation but like mm -hmm. it just shows like when he's up against the wall like, his first instinct is to do the craziest thing and to take the fight right back to them like that's but he's not shooting at them right he's thinking like since i can't outrun them i have to somehow hide and the only way i could hide yeah. is literally if they can't see me well, you know like also if they a can't large... pick me up on their radar a large element of surprise because they don't expect it and they don't yeah. know what to do when and he they does duck. that i love yeah. that yeah Exactly. He's also psyching them out. Yeah. Exactly. He's playing chicken. He knows that they're not expecting him to do that. And yep. it like kind of works. They're like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, um, it's, it's like some Chuck Yeager shit right there. Yeah. It actually reminds me of Poe in The Last Jedi. He pulls off a crazy maneuver in the very beginning where it's just him and one lone X-Wing and he approaches the um, mm -hmm. Super Star Destroyer. The difference, though, is that that maneuver wasn't one necessarily born out of desperation like he gets the order to uh retreat or whatever from leia and then he decides not to he keeps going because he knows he's so good he can do it which is kind of is kind of ballsy but the last jedi is like drawing the distinction between doing something insane because you have no other choice mm -hmm. versus like bravado or yeah and or recklessness yeah arrogance right? and ego yeah. and all that yeah. Which I really appreciate about The Last Jedi, the idea that it is using a very familiar archetype from the other movies, the hotshot pilot. And because it's something we've already seen, it's actually giving that character a very interesting arc where, I mean, let's actually look at that for a second. There's a downside of this. Yeah. Well, that's why I think besides having to command everybody and keep them safe, that's why Leia has no patience for Poe because it's like, we've all seen this sort of hot shot stuff but she's way more than seen it she's lived it she's fucked it she's had a kid with it <laughs> and she's and over she, it yeah yep yeah. and so she's, and she's just over like, it because also at that point they were like separated for so long they had one brief encounter and then like he died so it's just like there's no like real redeeming quality to her at that point when she's seeing like poe do all this this and stuff 
And when you see, uh, uh, I think the difference between Han and Poe is that you were talking about Josh, how he does it because he because ha he has no other choice, and Poe does it because mm -hmm. of that. But also, when Han does have a choice, he's way more sly. He's way more like, oh, I know how to finish this battle in Endor without killing more people, and he does like, a an message. I got an idea. Yeah. He's like, no, we got to go back and like he he tries to be smart about it, whereas Poe would just grab his gun and be like. Let's yeah. get as many people killed as we can so we can win. And Han would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. no. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. but. Moving on to Dagobah and Yoda and the training scene. I got to tell you, when I was a kid, these parts of the movie were the slow parts that kind of bored me a little bit. Yeah, like you have the. I like the them. Well, you have the Muppet, which is which is great for especially, you know, I'm like a huge Muppet fan. So even as a kid, I was loving it. But the. um. No, I mean, yeah, Yoda's introduction like, is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it took me again, like when I was saying how I've seen it a million times, you grow up and you're like, oh, Yoda's so crazy. What is like, no, he's just testing Luke's patience because he's, he's yes. been watching Luke for Luke's whole life. Like, yep. I yeah. guess force watching him or something like that, because mm -hmm. uh, right then he say, like, he's like, I've yeah. been trained for 800 years. You've been dreaming of adventure and like yeah. not doing it. Like, it's like, like for all I've watched you, you've always looked to the stars and never yeah, yeah. right where you were, what you were doing. But it's and like, all so it is like. That kind of, it's not a twist, obviously, but the twist of when he's like driving Luke bonkers and then he just gets calm and goes, I cannot train this boy <laughs> or something. And, like that. Like, and oh, in that what? moment, and in that moment when <laughs> he turns around and you see the look on Yoda's face, it's mm -hmm. so, he's a completely different character and it's a yeah. fucking rubber puppet. Yeah, yeah. It is it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> it yeah. is insane how well this works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's always, like an absolutely insane. It always creeped me out as a kid when he's like, I'm not afraid. And he's like, you will be. Will be. I know. You, you will be. As you a kid, I'm like, I, I, as a kid, I was always like, Ugh, what do you know? Yeah. He did that. I like this moment as a kid, though, because uh, as a kid. No, no. No, what I'm talking about training, is like, right? yeah, the actual but, training. But, like no, the... no, 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 that's what I'm saying. The, the, the actual training as a kid, I actually liked because um, they were kind of getting to the nuts and bolts about what he can do. And for some reason, as a kid, like. The, the image of him trying and failing to get the X-Wing out of the swamp. I was thinking about this uh, when I was watching it the, the other day. I didn't realize this until now, but I think subconsciously that movie was showing me that it's okay to fail. Because mm. usually the whole in movies, movie, they, they all fail. But yeah, well, think, about it, like, scene, yeah. It, it, think about it. Like in every movie that we watch, someone's like, I got an idea. And they do like a fucking montage and they do yeah. it and it works. And this is the first movie I've seen where the good guy, Luke Skywalker, the guy I want to be, is trying something and he's just failing. He can't do it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he can't do it in the future. It's just that he needs to he needs to try harder. He needs to focus more. And as a kid, I was kind of like absorbing this. So when the okay, X-Wing yeah. goes up and then it goes back down into the water, it like broke my heart. And then Yoda was telling me that, like, no, you can get past it. And, like, these are things that I was, a, as a little boy, I was kind of, like, absorbing. The the funny thing about that whole scene is I, I made the joke, I think we weren't even recording yet, when I was, like, saying that Luke only trains for about six hours, right? Because he trains <laughs> just basically right. the length of time that they were in the space slug, right? Give or take. It just is not that much time. So you have the day before... Luke's like, I'll do whatever you want. Just you can train me. And literally, like, smash cut to like the first thing he tries. He's like, this is impossible. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> imagine funny. being Yoda. You'd be like, this is exactly what I said would happen. Like 20 minutes ago, you said you wouldn't give up, and now you just like are giving up. 
as a film, uh, The Empire Strikes Back is the only example of a movie I could think of where there are two storylines going on that, like, it's weird. Luke should have been there for a lot longer than he was. And yeah. maybe he was. And at the same time, it's like, maybe they were traveling in the Falcon for a lot longer than we thought. Yo, that's what they those, say. That's the it's only one of those thing is things, because they go right like, from the asteroid to Lando. But, it's, but without hyperspace. So so, but, uh, yeah. true. so not to get yep. too nerdy, but, no, but I believe very, very true. the line on that is like they actually are traveling for like six weeks. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and, and I feel like it's it's kind of thrown under the rug. But it's like, uh, the, what was it? The, uh, the economy of filmmaking a little bit. It's almost just like they're telling the story. And all of those in-between moments is like, you don't need to see three months of Luke training. You don't need to see no, three of months course, of them like, but like playing hollow chess in the Falcon getting yeah, bored. Yeah, no, so I, like, you know, but so it's like, funny because like literally, true. right, you know, I had no idea. It just there, seemed yeah, like. There's nothing on the text that says like five months later or Luke yeah. doesn't have a beard right. to show that like yep. time yeah, has yeah, passed. Yeah. yeah, they kind of gloss over it in the movie, yet it's still, really it still works. Like you still, yeah, does. Yeah, yep. you know, it's called refrigerator logic. It's like something that you don't think about until later that night when you get home and you're at the fridge to get a glass of milk in the middle of the night and you're like, huh, how come yeah. he was only on the planet for like six hours? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it works. And also they've been at, it, it seems like they were in Cloud City. It, it just, I got the vibe that they were there for me like a couple of days or something like that or whatever. Yeah, no, it's, so, I yeah, mean, sure. it's, yeah. I'm sure I knew even with that, like joke clarification that I was misunderstanding it, but that mm -hmm. is how it like comes across. But the older I am now, like the stuff that like I've watched the the training scene, like just going back to what Yoda's saying and watching it on like subtitles and stuff, because I was like, that's where everything is coming down to. That's the stuff that like you always just say like, oh, it's the force or whatever. But like you kind of forget the, the yeah, details but that's of what, what it comes he's saying. To. No, absolutely. Yeah. Now and, I really vibe with it. Yep. But but when I was a kid, I mean, once again, I think it was, I think I found it a little boring because it was going over my head. I yeah. didn't really, I didn't really well, get now, it. Like when he said, and it's like so poetic, like, especially for Yoda who talks like backwards, but like when he says like um, about the dark side, I forget exactly how it's phrased because it's like very poetic, but it's like the dark side will like rush to your side in a fight. Yeah. And, like, it's easier. What, he says. Yeah. More like uh, more seductive. And, and, but he says. He says and something quick like to join you in a fight. But the one thing so when he's talking about the force, which was the best explanation before it was like bacteria in your blood or whatever. But like he's saying, like, basically a principle that I, I really do try to adhere to myself is like everyone's the same. Right. Basically, he's saying, like, yeah, we're crude material, but like we're all the same aside for that. And then he starts talking about luminous even beans. like we're the we're like the the rocks and the the trees and everything like that, which is very like Buddhist and good. Yeah. But now imagine if you had that same training, but then you went over to the dark side, you would be totally fine with killing whole planets of people and choking people left and right. Because to you, uh, with that understanding, yeah, they're they're just dirt. Like they're just rocks. They're not. That's, yeah, they're that's not anything. We're they're all not, just we're all just dirt. So it doesn't really. Yeah, matter. like it's just like, so. It's like it's not. So it's like almost like the dark side, especially someone as powerful as vader would have the understanding of a jedi he just chooses the more powerful and flashy stuff because that's right. what he craves so like but the teachings are still going to be the same of just like no like i'm what i'm killing people quote unquote they're dirt they're they're crude matter yeah, it doesn't matter I, where i think it's a fantastic point because uh, a jedi philosophy would be since we're all the same we're encouraging empathy Yep. And then um, this uh, 
would be like, since we're all the same, we're encouraging nihilism and you might as well be the king of the top, the king of the hill. Because fuck it, nothing matters. So you might as well get yeah, all the power. Better to like rule in hell than serve in heaven. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be the top man on the mountain, but the mountain is just a mountain of dirt, like a Johnny Cash, an empire of yeah. dirt, right? Like it just it doesn't. Well, nine inch nails, but you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the cave? Yes. What a yeah. great so, sequence. So when I was a kid, and Yoda says, "Your weapons, you will not need them," and he takes it anyway. Like even I, as a kid, was like Luke. He's yep. your teacher is it's telling like, you not to bring the, per- the gun. It, but it's like exactly. the perfect example of Luke and not being ready for training, right? Like yeah. and not understanding it. Yeah. He just said don't yeah, take yeah, the yep, gun. Yeah. Yep. So and then the one thing he told you not to do. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean, maybe this was always obvious to anybody, to everybody rather, but um when he asks him what's in there and he says, Only what you take with you, he takes the gun with him. He mm-hmm. he yeah. brings he brings the, the darkness. Violet, he yeah. he brings the fight mm-hmm. with him. He does. Yeah. It mirrored himself, literally and metaphorically, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Which which by the way, I don't know if you thought this, but uh, when I was a kid, I don't know for whatever reason, his face and the mask it never it, looked like Mark Hamill. Right. Never and it like is him. Yeah. And it is no, it him. Is. It's yep. actually which it's is, not even like a, yeah. it's like his it's actually no, him his, in the his, floor no, looking down the mask. I know, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It didn't register to me that that was supposed to be his own it's face. It's almost like it too high like of a concept I for our kid brains yeah. to comprehend. And so I we just saw something else. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like the lack of context of like mm-hmm. usually without the person's whole getup, like who is this person? But I specifically remember seeing it for the first time and asking my dad, who is that? And my dad says, that's yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. I went, oh, okay. And I just yeah. and, what's so, <laughs> and what's so weird is that, okay, so when I was a little older, I was like, okay, so that's supposed to be Luke, but it's a bad fake head. And then when I got older and I saw it's the him. behind the scenes photo yeah. like of like, it's actually Mark Hamill's head in like a, in like a fake thing. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how yeah. is it actually his head? Yeah. And yeah. it's always yeah. looked fake to me. It's it's so weird. And so, but anyway, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say more telling yeah. than, than Luke, like, being told, like, you're not going to need your weapons. Like, it shows how, how, like, he's fully not trusting Yoda, but also that he's not understanding the grand concepts. But the... The look of disappointment on Yoda just sitting there slumped on the log when he comes back out and he's and he's playing with his he's like he's like drawing in the dirt with his little stick. This is really (laughs) this is something that it's could be a tangent you cut out because I don't want to get all religious, but there is everyone knows the story of or the the line he was without sin throw the first stone. Yeah, but when that happens, so there these people are bringing a someone that's caught in the act of adultery, which back then could get a woman killed. Not, apparently not the man because whatever. But um, so what, when they go to Jesus, it says he's just like, he, he's doing something in the dirt that no one is not explained. He's like drawing in the dirt, like making either patterns or people started to make, I think because of um, Cecil B. DeMille, when he made King of Kings, he had Jesus like magically writing like every sin of everybody that's there. So like, oh, he knows my sin. But like the the parallel of you saying that of they approach like the teacher who's just like either sitting like disappointed or not concerned with what just happened or something, but that they're just drawing in the dirt, like uh, absentmindedly or or something. It's just like, it's a, I don't know if that was any sort of inspiration, but that is like a big. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Like, it might tie. be. No, that's yeah. interesting. It very well could be. One thing that I think is really interesting about this sequence, it's it's subtle, but it's the first example of 
I guess you could say like surrealism in Star Wars mm-hmm. with like yeah. uh, the slow uh, the, motion, uh, the slow motion effect. And it's handled very well because it's a subtle cue that what you are seeing is not literally happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like he's now in a dream. Yeah. And the choice to make it so subtle like that, it's so effective. And it's the introduction of like, like non-literal kind of surrealism as part of the cinematic vocabulary well, of Star that, Wars that they that use again. Does that only happen one more time? Or... No, well, uh, no, well, it happens a couple more times. It happens in uh, Revenge of the Sith when when Anakin is dreaming about uh, oh, yeah, uh, I totally Padme forgot. dying. I literally forgot that those existed when I asked that. <laughs> I was, I, I, um, yeah, I was just thinking of the cave in um, but they do, they do uh, Last Jedi. Well, the cave is way more metaphorical, but not even trying to be cerebral. Uh, and the last Jedi, when Ray and Ben go back to back, uh, Kylo Ren go back to back. That's in mm-hmm. slow motion, but that's yeah, yep. just, that's just because it's cool. It has yeah. nothing yeah. to do with it. And it's, it is it's literal. Cool. It's and it's yeah. really yeah. fucking cool. And I mean, yeah. at that point, like that's one thing about great about the sequels is they brought like coolness back to Star Wars. And like literally, if there's anything that could be added from some sort of special effect that they didn't have in Empire, if they could just add like actual realistic glow from the lightsabers, it'd be like. The yeah. literal, like, perfect movie. <laughs> like, no, no, especially because, like, the first encounter with Vader and Luke in the carbon freezing chamber. The lighting uh, like, is when, so cool. In the, yeah, 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 the lighting is so cool. And when and when Vader first ignites his lightsaber in the dark, mm-hmm. like, yeah. the interactive lighting that, quote unquote, should be there yeah. would have made it even yeah. more awesome. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying it doesn't work. No, it, and, like, I mean, we as understand it is, the it's, shortcomings, it's but it's, like, yeah. out of all the things that George Lucas, like, toys around with these movies it's like no do that that's like that's something that's funny would be awesome it's it's funny you mentioned the the carbon freezing room because both in this scene in the cave and in the carbon freezing room it really does uh validate that darth vader is iconic because in both scenes specifically in the carbon freezing room there's a shot of just his silhouette and just from his silhouette alone it's the dark shadow of doom it is darth vader and you it's just like so when he says that line uh the force is strong to be not a Jedi yet. And you just see the black silhouette. And it's just like, yeah. that's so fucking cool. It's cool. And they kind of do that a little bit in the cave when he arrives from the, you kind of see his silhouette and then he walks in the frame. But uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely iconic at this point. If he hasn't been already. Luke as a character, he always changes over the course of the trilogy, you know, from a naive boy to a headstrong student who thinks he knows more than he actually does to almost like a Zen warrior by the or monk by the end return of the jedi but i i brought up in the tales of boba fett uh, the book of boba fett about how um the tales of boba fett i, I know i because that I better think better title there's lots of other well there's uh, also the tales of the bounty hunters uh yes. short story collection from the 90s that exactly is also confusing and, yeah and tales of the jedi which is another comic series from back anyway i mentioned how Luke was defined by his attachments to his friends. And I feel like Dagobah and the Empire Strikes Back is where they kind of solidify that idea, at least at this point in the story for him. Just the idea of like, as the audience member, like, well, what is the right choice to do? What is, what would I do in this situation? And I think we would all agree if we were heroic figures in the galaxy or far, far away, we would do exactly what Luke did. You know, we wouldn't just let Han and Leia die, you know? and. It's weird because it's like Obi-Wan and Yoda say you're not ready, you're going to fail, it's a mistake. I don't even necessarily think it's a mistake. I, it's just like, I, I think it's just one of those things where it's just like, there's no choice. He just had to do it because who, 
Like, I don't know what type of person he would be if he didn't go and let yeah. his friends, metaf like, hypothetically die, you know? So I feel like he had to do it. So it's like a false choice in a weird way. If The Empire Strikes Back is where mythos are made about Star Wars is what the Force is about, this is also, like, what the characters are about. And this is the defining moment for Luke is when he's like, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna go. I don't care if I'm not ready. I'm gonna go. <laughs> well, it's also what? really interesting because, in one sense, they are right because he has his ass completely handed to him. <laughs> um, uh, but the for other the character, he had to go. Right, right. But on the other hand, knowing what we know, there's a way to read that as they're they're manipulating him because they're concerned that if he goes and faces Vader, and Vader lets Luke know that he's actually his father. Exactly. that they're going to lose their shot to defeat Vader and the Emperor. Yeah, and they think that he will join Vader, possibly. They're worried you know? that he might join yeah. Vader. Yeah. And I think as an audience, we're supposed to be, we're supposed we're to supposed be, to be worried, worried too. I mean, not even just in this movie. I think that at the beginning of the next movie, we're supposed to be worried about what choice he's going to make. Well, he's also, it's... they we, we won't get, because they'll save it for the Jedi podcast, but he's dressed in all in black. He looks really intimidating. He's cold. He's force choking people in the beginning of Return mm. of the Jedi. So, like, I think we're supposed to doubt, like, where Luke mm. could go. Yeah, but I would argue that I don't think that fear is ever, like, really no. genuine. But but there's, no. they're, but they're yeah. purposefully drawing these, uh, these similarities. Yeah, to, no, no. Because, like, but... even, even his silhouette when he's walking to the door looks almost sure. like a Vader silhouette. So it's like, they're they're doing that on purpose. I know it's like, totally. are the good guys going to win? Yes, they're going to win. Is he going to go bad? Probably not. But it's just they're they're they definitely want to put some for seed sure. of like tension, you know. No, so sure. the the thing that I got this time watching it after the Boba Fett episode with Luke is Luke gives him the se gives Grogu the same choice that was given to him by Yoda. Basically, like that's interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't. It's not exactly phrased the same, but it is very. No, it is. Yeah, similar. It's like, yeah, you're I, right. I would. I argue that he gave him a choice, whereas Yoda was like, "Just don't do it." Yeah, true. But no, he does say. No, I mean, I mean he doesn't he say stop he him. don't do. But he goes, "If you do that, like it's very similar to the to what yeah. Luke says." Um, like no, totally. Go, that's a good point. That's a good um, point. But one mm -hmm. thing that was interesting about this, and it's something that I actually think that the prequels make stronger, is there's this really cool thing of mistaken or not understanding a prophecy, right? Because it's like they kind of go like, oh, if he's not it, then all yeah, hope he's is not lost. The chosen one. Yeah, yeah, yep. right. Mm -hmm. And so, which is like interesting with Obi-Wan being like, no, this is this is the chosen one. Like, trust me like this. And then Yoda's not really sure. But then what I don't think was written or thought of at the time that the sequels do uh, prequels puck do make um, stronger is that there is now a history of them thinking that Anakin was the chosen one that was going to bring balance to the force. But then that proves to be wrong or so to speak. I still think the prophecy was correct, but then no, in so the end go, it turns like, out to be correct. It, it does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're always, seemingly wrong about the prophecy but then actually uh, with jedi if actually you they were right all along through, they yeah. were right all along but yeah. it has yeah. a, just with less malice but like it's something that is developed kind of in um last temptation of christ right when like that's the big problem that the harvey Keitel's characters judas is having is that he's like misunderstanding what well jesus was supposed to be for he thought it was going to be like to overthrow mm. and and change everything mm. so there's like a 
not like a betrayal there, but just kind of like a, your world crashes around you. And I kind of feel like that's what happens to Yoda when like Luke flies off. No, um, to Obi-Wan because Yoda is mm-hmm. still thinking that there is a, there is another one, but it's just yeah. like from, from Obi-Wan's point of view, it's like, fuck, I put all my eggs in his dad's basket. That sounds weird, but like, and then, <laughs> and then that didn't work out. So I, I was, maybe I was wrong. I had the wrong Skywalker. It's, it's Luke. And then Luke flies off and he's like, well, shit, like what the fuck? And all like, the time and all the time he put into watching over Luke and protecting Luke. Like he is a lot of, yeah. he is a lot invested in. Yeah, but, in Luke and it not, was like, yeah. kind of like doubling down. Yeah. Because of what happened with Anakin. Like, oh, I was, I was completely right. wrong. I thought, but it's, there's also the cool thing of like, a story's not done until it's done, right? All along, right. they thought they had the right person. And then for decades, they're like, no, that prophecy was wrong. Like, Anakin wasn't was right. the chosen one. But it's like the story wasn't over until it was like over. Uh, that's a really interesting uh, parallel that I never would have made. But uh, uh, that's a really great observation. Um, you also, uh, you brought up the no, there is another, which is a really interesting kind of whole can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I believe George Lucas has said, like, the whole reason that that was in there was to put the thought in the audience's mind, like, oh, Luke might lose and die, and he's not. Yeah. From, uh, they, uh, from a they, writer's, writer's point of view, I actually, I do like backing yourself into a corner so that you have to get out, like, but I feel like that, even now, like, just always read as a false, you know, like, um, a red herring it reminds me of the story I heard. What was the, uh, was it, um vinyl was that martin scorsese yeah the show vinyl? oh when, yeah that um, show HBO, was yeah. andrew dice clay was supposed to get like killed off and he kept saying like improv improving a line like my twin brother will avenge me because and he, <laughs> just in case he because he didn't want to be off the show for good like if he convinced a, martin scorsese such a wild reference man i know well like, <laughs> but so it reminds me of like hey, of whoever's so writing this to be like no there is another like kind of like leaving a back door open that they have no idea who the other could even be. They're not thinking Leia. They're not thinking anything. It's no, just, well, uh, no, they're definitely not thinking Leia. But but the interesting thing is that they knew, this gets into Return of the Jedi territory, but basically, I mean, that's the reason that line is there to create, to plant the seed in the audience's mind. Oh, like maybe it doesn't all hinge on Luke and Luke, he could die and mm. he's he's disposable or whatever. Yeah. Um, and... I know from hearing about it, obviously I wasn't around, but there was a lot of speculation in between Empire and Jedi about who the other was. I right? was wondering how much that line would have landed back then, or if it was just like a throwaway line. Like you could read Usenet message boards that are archived. Like you can read like what the speculation was. And also the letters to the editor section of magazines, like, like you know, Starlog and all that stuff. Like you can read what the the fan speculation was but that's a the idea is planted that there's somebody there's someone else out there who mm. who could fill luke's yeah, shoes i could i could see watch like because i can't separate what i know from sure you know that's why like when you're saying like luke is supposed to be like the, oh will he go bad it's like you just you can't ever think of that being a possibility because you know the full the full yeah. story but i i would wonder i wonder how like it you would get nervous like oh maybe luke and then so when he's starting to lose you're just like fuck. one i do remember watching this movie for the first time i remember being like oh my god there's someone else out there and then like my dad or whatever or my mom maybe was just like 
yeah, like there, there's, there's another person out there who could possibly be the hero. And then it's like, but they didn't spoil anything for me yet. I didn't, I still didn't know. It was like, I still remember the revelations as they came, which is kind of cool. Your mom uh, did good. Yeah. <laughs> or my dad, whoever it was, but my parents, let's just say my parents. Your parents but, did um, great. There you go. <laughs> that being said, uh, you guys are talking about prophecy and stuff like that. What's interesting is that they don't even get into that with the original trilogy. It's just, yeah. he's the last one. He's the only hope. So it's yeah. like, even if he's like Steve-O from Jackass, he's the last <laughs> hope. And they have to make sure that this goes right. So I would watch that movie. Yeah, I would exactly. watch that movie. And it has to be done. And so it has to be extremely frustrating for these characters to to see this like headstrong twenty young twenty something year old and be like, nope, I'm gonna do my own thing. It's like motherfucker. Yeah, like you yeah, said, yeah. like I, I waited twenty something years for this. Yeah. Totally. But let's, um, let's Let's get back to this jackass Star Wars crossover. Oh, right? my God. My name is Johnny Knoxville, and this is the Sarlacc bungee jump. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <on>. like, <laughs> The light on Yoda's face, the light in that whole shot mm -hmm. is, is, is one of the most beautiful shots in the whole saga. Well, they do this great thing with, um, and kudos to the lighting department on this, but, like, it's just the light from his X-Wing. I know, and, going. Mm -hmm. and, and then you when don't it goes... see it. It's all in the lighting. Exactly, it's all, it's in all the lighting. implied, and the yeah. sound and effects. And you hear it. And then, yeah, and then you see Alec Guinness, and he's a ghost. And then the light goes away from him, and then when the light comes back, he's no longer there, but his it's voice beautiful. is still no, there. No, yeah. and this like is all beautiful. this subtle, amazing cinem it's, cinematic, just like that's the Kirsch right man. Yeah. that's yeah. Kirsch. He, there's some it's... cool things that I was thinking of in terms of kind of what we said earlier with the the world that happened in between the two movies. And like, I was thinking of just imagine like Yoda just sitting there and then Obi-Wan shows up as a ghost. Like there would be some sort of like heartbreak, even though, yeah, he's more powerful than you could ever imagine. But like, just like, Oh, like you died, man. Like, you know, like I'm sure may or maybe he felt it in the force, but like, you know, it's like the first time he sees Obi-Wan as a ghost, it would be like well, kind of like startling. No. Well, the interesting. Well, so, but he does Probably. speak to him through the force at the end of the last movie. Remember, the. But, but I was talking about uh, Yoda. Like, oh, oh, did I mess up? He's like I my Yoda, Yoda seeing Obi Wan as a ghost for the first time. Yeah, the, yeah, like just a map, like because that, that's what I was thinking of. Like, imagine uh, I was thinking of like what other characters are going through. So I was thinking oh, that sure. for like Yoda, and then also uh, like poor Chewie, like. With with Han, like he he thinks he's gonna freeze to death, and then he's not, and then he gets like frozen in carbonite, and then like so it's like mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Chewie's been going through like a whole emotional yes, ride uh, in this movie too. Speaking of, you reminded me of something uh, that I wanted to bring up. I used to really hate that the prequels ruined the reveal of Yoda in this movie, but then I realized mm -hmm. something for someone who has watched them in the episode order when they see Yoda again. They may for a second be like, what the fuck is wrong with Yoda? <laughs> Yo, true. Like, like did he like, lose he's his crazy. mind? Yeah. Yeah, like 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 he's lost his mind or like, what happened to Yoda? How is this mm -hmm. gonna resolve? Has he just lost his fucking mind? He's been alone this whole time dealing with the guilt and the everything. Like, what is and the matter that, with Yoda? That works. I'm wondering, is there like any sort of phrase for because the prequels are weird in the sense that they are prequels, but you're almost retroactive yeah, <laughs> but like but like no they're like but they, but you're still meant to to watch them in the same vein as like a sequel like i don't really think they're fully meant to be watched one two three four five six seven eight nine i still think that 
No, if you ask George Lucas, he does think that. Oh, really? I, I, yeah. Mary, I think it's one of those things where it's like, uh, this is a movie for kids, but there's stuff in it for adults. I feel like that's the way the prequels are for people who have never seen Star Wars. It's like, these are meant to be seen in the episode order. But for the people that oh, have seen the original, yeah. here's some winks and nods that like little yeah. kids, like when Palpatine says to Anakin, like, I'm going to look over your career with great career interest. With great interest. Yeah, 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 we are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ho, 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 ho. but as a little kid, they're like, whatever, I don't get it. Like, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not like, it doesn't take you out of the movie. Oh, see, I always kind of thought that it's still, ha like, they, they're prequels, but you're still, like, meant to see them. Well, well, not in. Oh, uh, well, not from George Lucas's perspective. I would argue the main failing, uh, the main reason why that doesn't work is just the, the aesthetic jump from episode three to episode four. It's like the style mm -hmm. of filmmaking is so different that yeah. it's like really hard to make that leap. I also Rogue think One fills that gap pretty good. But I also think it robs the uh the original trilogy of, of like hard every... earned moments. Yeah. And um all those moments are kind of like cool Lost, points. Like tears but, but in the rain. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But like all those moments are just kind of like to go into the Empire Strikes Back already knowing that Vader is his father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah well, really that, does yeah. diminish <laughs> like yeah. No, for the, sure, the, for sure. The, the story well, build up to that. Well, you know? well. So let's talk about that. Moving on from Dagobah to Cloud City. Cloud, Cloud City. I'm realizing the contradiction here. Cloud City, as a kid, was my my favorite environment in Star Wars. Mm. There's just something about the color and the the Art Deco design, and mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful. It's so moody. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. And it's like it's like a city in the clouds, and like it's 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 also hell. It's also like a representation of hell, especially in the carbon freezing chamber. And there's like something about the the mood that's like it's kind of it's very unsettling. It like really draws you in. Well, it works perfectly for the movie because yeah, there's the, something like, the theme, it looks yeah. so nice when they show up. Everything's On the pristine and white mm -hmm. and it's like perpetual dusk. And but like you said, there's something underneath and they go to like a like a metaphorical hell. And there's also um crazy dynamic sets in cloud city uh the carbon freezing room is pretty obvious but let's also go into the last uh part of the duel with uh vader and luke where like they're in that hallway and he's throwing all the stuff at him mm -hmm. just yeah. that hallway like the floor is lit up like the billy jean music video there's crazy lights and sets and windows and like matte paintings going on like it's extremely dynamic and that's been cloud city it gets very like Fritz Lang Metropolis type stuff. Or it just seems oh, sure. very oh, like it just, yeah. it just seems like they're going like all out crazy with the with the sets, and I really love that. But talking about Cloud City, we're introduced to Lando. Like, he's introduced so late in the movie, and he's a full fledged character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love the gag he plays on Han. Like, you like got you got a lot, a lot of, of guests coming here. Yeah. yeah. And like Han, like he's like, maybe I did do something. Like, yeah, I don't know yeah it on. totally like gets him, right? And like, I love uh, that Harrison actually puts his hands up to defend himself because yeah. he actually, yeah. he's like, and he, but he looks scared in his face, like, oh no, no, I don't want to, like, no. And so, so I mean, not only is a is it a great way to introduce the character, not only is it funny, not only is it really well acted, mm. but it also it kind of disarms you a little bit because like you're worried about what's going to happen here and he plays into that it's like oh, okay like this is dangerous and he's mm -hmm. like no man i'm just fucking with you they like really lean into that like this isn't what it seems like on the surface mm -hmm. and well, it's like even um even uh he's like are they friends and then like chewie says something and then han's like well that was a long time ago you know well, <laughs> like yeah. i'm sure he's forgotten about that yeah, yeah exactly so you already know that there's like some form of like bad blood uh, uh, a little bit between them 
but well, it's, it's it then it's works. a complex friendship. Yeah, which is one of the best parts of Solo for me was the interaction between Han and Lando. Yep, mm-hmm. and having that as the backstory, like in mind, like that whole dynamic, it totally works watching it this movie with what they show us in Empire. It's it's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's really no. Good. That's what like Solo was like. For a movie that didn't need to be made or at all, that I think that's why it's like held up so good because it's like they knew what to focus on and without trying to like reinvent the wheel. It's like it's no, let's movie. give them. No, I think Solo is great, and it's interesting because Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Solo, uh, he co-wrote it actually with his son. He always said and he's Han also Solo... the writer of The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so people yeah, right. He always said his favorite character was Han Solo. And when they lured him to co-write The Force Awakens, the carrot that they gave him was, and then you can write your own movie, whatever you want. And he was like, oh. I want to do Young Han Solo. That's what I want. Oh, do. that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, you could tell that it was handled with care. That's really cool. Mm. The There's something like interesting going on with Cloud City when you guys were saying like how with, with Han, it's, you know, that's that vibe of it's not what it seems. But there's a similar thing happening to Lando where it's not what it seems for him either because he has a deal that he made in the best interest of his people that keeps getting changed on him. So it's like kind of cool where they're they're both like in the same boat in that that aspect. Yeah, totally. You know, they're no, um, no it's re- it's so good. It's, yeah, it's, it's so good. Like the the circumstances for both of them, like they they are in really shitty circumstances, trying to do the best that they can, and it still has like really horrible ramifications for the people exactly. around them. And yeah. you can see and the it's... frustration in Billy D. Williams grow and grow and grow. Yeah, he's really and, good and then, in this movie. No, he's oh, really dude, good, yeah. He was, a, I mean, like, he was probably the, the best-known actor they got besides, like, Alec Guinness yeah, uh, sure. mm-hmm. and Peter Cushing. Like, he was, like, he was Billy D. Williams when they got him. Yeah. One thing that I think we, we kind of forgot to talk about was the introduction of Boba Fett. Never heard I of him. Watched I watched the original version, so it also meant that he had the original voice. Yeah, the original um, voice, the line readings are way, way more interesting. He's a real motherfucker and with the original yeah. voice. And with the new voice, it's just kind of like kind of like we're going back to with the very perfunctory matter of fact. Like yeah. like I'm if you if you see the difference when he says like no disintegrations, the as first you one wish. exactly like that. And mm. then in the new one he's like, as you as wish. As you wish. Yeah. Right <laughs> it's just like, yeah. okay, yeah. whatever. Like but it's, so it's like that, it's so funny, but we're talking about execution here. It's like same lines said in a different way, changes it ever so slightly. And he was more sinister before they got into the prequels. I feel like the, it's been like an ongoing thing to try to soften Boba Fett once he like blew up as much as he did. But it's like, you kind of knew he was going to. So why are you surprised? Like you made the action figure. Like it's like, that was the whole point of the character was like how popular he was, right? Well, the well, yes. Again, this kind of gets into Return of the Jedi territory, but the way he's conceived in this movie and the way he's played in this movie, at least in filmed Star Wars and live action Star Wars, this is the only time he's really played that way. Okay. Oh yeah, like as like a real like uh, scheming, conniving sort of. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, like, like a really like. Um, but first impressions go a long way because that's what you remember, and yeah, then like no, two totally. minutes into Return of the Jedi, he's gone. So like. The yeah. bulk of your memory of him is uh, mm. him being this way. I forget where I read this, but I read this recently, and now I'm sorry not to give them credit, but something I never picked up on is that the way Vader is what Luke has the potential of becoming, Boba Fett is sort of what... Han could have become? The dark version of Han Solo would be. That's very mm. interesting. Yeah. 
if you think about it, like, you know, Vader is Luke's like masked black hat version. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Boba Fett is the same thing to Han, like the dark reflection of Han Solo. Mm, I like that. That like Han and Leia scene of them where Leia's like, something must have happened to 3PO. He's been gone too long to have gotten lost. Han and Leia have the scene. They reshot that scene. They showed the original version, I think in, I think in Empire of Dreams or something, the uh, the behind the scenes, but they reshot that scene from the original because the original, it wasn't quite hitting the right note for Irvin Kirshner and Gary Kurtz agreed. So they reshot it. And it's so interesting. I mean, if you watch the original version of the scene, I mean, it's fine. It works. I feel like another director would have said, okay, it's good enough, you know, moving on. But Irvin Kirshner was like, I don't think we got it. And they've remounted the scene. They've reshot the scene. I don't think that's something George Lucas would have done. I don't think that's something George Lucas appreciated at the time that mm -hmm. he was redoing a scene that he had already gotten had in, the like can. in the can. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the kind of paying attention to things that makes this movie work on a level that none of the other Star Wars films do. And it's interesting, right? Because... This is a George Lucas movie that is executed by people who cared about other aspects of filmmaking that George Lucas was less concerned with. Mm. Yes. George notoriously hates directing and hates dealing with actors. And he would he hates to shoot. He hates shooting a movie. He likes to edit it. There's a validity to that version of Star Wars. The problem is that we got this movie. Yeah, well, and we also, got it yeah. and we got it second. And it yeah. set this this the bar for Star Wars so high. Yeah, that it, I would argue the reason the saga still exists and is like alive and more, you know, more alive than ever, arguably, is because this movie knocked it out of the me. park so hard. Yeah, well, that's like yeah. this movie. I think I said it on the the Bo one of the Boba Fett episodes. Like this movie makes you think that you're getting like the Beatles discography. In the reality, you get like one Beatles album and the rest are like like Foo Fighters or something that's good and enjoyable, but it's not right. like yeah, but not that that yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is shown more like Weezer. Uh, exactly. This is shown wonderfully in the making of Star Wars books by was it Rinsler J W Rinsler who unfortunately passed. Yeah, yes. who passed away within the last year, way too young. Those yeah. are amazing books. The best part I feel like of the Empire Strikes Back book is that somebody, by the grace of God, had a tape recorder on set when they were shooting the scene where Han Solo gets frozen. So they transcribed the entire tape. And you actually read, I guess, quote unquote, in real time, them discovering the moment of, I love you, I know. And you see That's the cool, organic yeah. way that they go about it. And Irvin Kirshner is like, like you were saying, Josh, he's like, this isn't working. I feel like we can do this and that and that. Then you, then you see him talking to Harrison and Harrison's like, I feel like I wouldn't be saying I love you. And then he's like, they're, they're not even just talking about them, but talking about what the other characters might be doing. He's like Chewie, like what, what, what Chewie would probably just jump in and protect or whatever. He's like, yeah, like what, where should he be standing? And then they're like, oh God, now we got to change how that we do this with, with uh, Lando. Billy, come over here. Then Billy D. Williams comes over. And yeah. then this is like, then they're talking to Carrie Fisher. And like, that's why the movie's a masterpiece because they put in the effort and the time. And it's not just like, and oh, the it's realization. on the page of knowing it's not working before it's too late. Like, you know, I feel like as an editor, George Lucas might just be like, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> like, it's, well, maybe, but it, these are also aspects of filmmaking that happens on like a drama, you know, mm -hmm. like if they're shooting like Sophie's Choice, they would do this. 
or yeah. whatever. So it's just my like... only my only quibble with what you're saying. I agree with you, but I would frame it slightly differently. I don't think that George Lucas is not willing to put in the time or the effort. I just think he's concerned for him. These movies are something that work in another mode of cinema. Right. Than... Well, I mean, to not to be uh, to be so basic as this, but it's like it's like if you had a moment like this in like the Fast and Furious or something like that, where it's just like the mode of that movie is something else. What it's, what they're trying to do is something else. There's, there's merit to that. George Lucas wasn't wrong. I mean, he, God damn it. He made star Wars. So, like, <laughs> so he's on the, he knows what he's doing, but we're just talking about the reason why this movie's different. Yeah. And this I agree. Is, this I agree. is exactly why this movie's different. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and exactly. this is exactly why this movie hasn't quite been replicated again, because mm. I still feel like they're not willing to, go over schedule they still have release dates before they have scripts and stuff like that and it's like uh, and then and by the a way, lot of it is the action sequence right like i know i don't know if it's the same for star wars but like in marvel movies i think the ac action sequences are pre-visualized before they maybe. even get like a director and like so the director's hired I, to just bring the story of the, I think, the characters talking to I, the action points. I think so you I don't might know be right on that. Star Wars are like that too. Well, where because it's just like, I think I heard about the with the director who did um uh Black Panther, um Ryan Ryan Coogler. There you go, thank you. Uh, I heard a story about how he was like, Oh, I wonder how I'm gonna do the action scene and someone's like, Oh no, like someone else is gonna do it for you. And he was like, what are you talking about? And so, um, mm. but now we're just talking about different modes of filmmaking, but I just feel like uh, But that's th what I think sets this apart is that those right. movies, what I what I was getting at is those movies, they're so like factory made mm -hmm. that you don't. And even if you take someone that's great like Ryan Johnson, he still gets more sucked into the factory aspect of it than he would on any of his other movies. Well, this where he is would also... probably have this exercise that you're talking about what they did in that scene. Exactly, and I feel like uh, this is the just a perfect example of intention and execution coming together in a very beautiful way where it's like they're like no guys like what is the intention of what we're doing and like oh it's this well then we gotta do it this way and then they did yeah it. the way the way to understand this movie i mean again i'm i'm gonna bring up the eyes of laura mars like like i watched this movie <laughs> and it was such a revelation because having the two movies to compare like seeing the story and what it was and how good the movie itself was the ability he had to really elevate the material find those human moments find those like i mean there were so many moments in the eyes of laura mars where i'm like i bet they found that on the day i bet that that hmm, that, that moment be. wasn't in the script so the same way he he elevates what could be a very schlocky supernatural thriller he elevated the comic book flash gordon like Looks homage romp, yeah. yeah he elevated that as well and when i say the empire strikes back ruined star wars <laughs> I, agree, I agree this is what i mean it's because it turns out wrong. it's because it turns out this was the exception not the rule the rule yep exactly mm -hmm. yeah but it's so good and such a has so many things it has like yoda it has i'm your father it's got the atat -AT. it's got so many like things that people know it's got it's Boba so good. Fett, lando so people associate this with being bigger it's obviously very big but it's like you lose sight that this is only one movie out of mostly right. like mediocre <laughs> movies that we love I mean, to death, but it's just a it's just a different uh, ball game in a weird way. Mm -hmm. 
I want to talk about I Am Your Father. Mm-hmm. That, I think, has been called, and the case is very strong. I'm sure you could find another, but that's been called the greatest twist in cinematic history. I would say, yeah. I could see it. Yeah. But for me, it's in that moment that also, in retrospect, kind of ruins Star Wars, uh, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Because when Darth Vader says, no, I am your father, uh, to Luke Skywalker, it becomes a story about a father and a son. It becomes a story about a family. It becomes a story about legacy. The prequels are conceived in that moment. And then I think a lot of the future movies, they draw the wrong lessons from this movie. They try to replicate mm -hmm. the twist. Yeah, right? right. They try to do like, like, who were they related to? Right. Yeah. Like, who are Ray's like parents? That, uh, yeah. Yada, that yada, all yada. starts. That all starts here. And the things I think, at least for me, uh, that I are not, you know, my favorite things or I don't think work as effectively is that that the wrong lessons are taken from why this movie works. It's oh, not sure. because it's not because it's dark. It's not because it has a twist. So and also like this is where the, the Skywalker saga, quote unquote, mm -hmm. starts right here mm -hmm. in that yeah. moment. Yeah, there was no saga up until all this because with that delivery, you get just in like a head cannon then you because need, there's no prequels. You know what the, you know what the follow up all... is going to be. You know that yeah. the next movie has to be about this. Yeah, but then also you're filling in even without like details, but like thoughts and emotions of a story that's that goes on, you know, 20 years before this. Right. You know, even though you have no detail, but like in that delivery, like you just get everything dropped in like a future that's unseen and like it's and this a, moment that completely yeah. alters the trajectory of what star wars movies are well, going it to turns be. it on its head which makes it yeah. an amazing twist and i think that and i could be 100 percent wrong on this but it feels like this twist if i'm going to talk from like a writing point of view came about organically yes where in the process mm -hmm. rather than what's the twist then let's start writing the movie. One thousand right. percent, uh, which uh, which ties into something that I wanted to ask you guys. Do you think that George Lucas always knew that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? No, hundred percent. No, no, he, no, no. It's, yeah, no, no. Yeah, because in in the New Hope, his name is literally Darth Vader, right? That's not a title. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think he's already kind of admitted that. Uh, like he kind of goes back and forth whether he had it all planned, but. It's very clear he didn't ha he did not have it all planned well, out. Well, certainly when he was not writing. details. I think you could yeah. you could plan. Plot and Josh, maybe, I'm sure but... you've done this in your writing too. Like where you you know, all right, I want to shoot this like story or script like out of a cannon right out of the bat. Like I just want to hit the ground running. Like kind of like what we were saying before of it. Um, your mid story even when you start, like everything's in motion. So I'm sure he had that idea of, oh, there's a whole story. I'm sure before this, I don't know what it is, but I want to make this something of a bigger thing. And right. so in that sense, yeah, a hundred percent, but it's not, I don't think he, there's been that like lifelong myth that he had this all planned out from the jump. Well, like, you were also talking not. about um, him saying, uh, Yoda saying, no, there's another mm -hmm. twice in this movie. Uh, George Lucas hedges his bets in a big way. One, he's <laughs> like, He's like, well, I don't know. What if Mark Hamill doesn't come back? Well, we could just make it about someone else. And two, mm. they freeze Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford didn't have a contract for a third movie. Okay. That's right. why wow. they, that's, yeah. that's the main yeah. reason why they did that. And they were like, if Harrison Ford doesn't want to come back, we've already written him out and we have Lando to replace him. 
who is so. literally wearing Han Solo's clothes and flying his ship with his best friend at the very end. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So yes. like, so there was no plan. He was like, I want yeah. Harrison Ford to come back. I, you know, I want these things to happen, but he's hedging his bets. He hedged his bets with a new hope. I don't know if I'm going to be, if I'm going to make any more movies. So they just blow up the main bad guy's base. And they're all basically dead. Vader's still floating out there in space, but like the movie's over. Like you could just end Star Wars yeah. right there. So like which he's is always... what Josh said earlier. It's like it's... so. It's just, he doesn't. He doesn't quite know where the next step's going to be, but he's got a gut feeling of where he wants it to go. Yeah, I'm all about writing yourself in a corner. No, mm -hmm. well, totally. So, but also, I think from a certain point of view, when George Lucas says that, or like people will trot out certain interviews where. It seems like George Lucas is saying that he always he always knew Vader was the father. Like, you know, that was always the plan. Oh. I think from a certain point of I think from a certain point of view, that's true. Like I can easily see how in George Lucas's mind, you know, if you read the rough drafts of Star Wars, the various iterations, there is a father. It is about the relationship between father and son. It is about passing something on and it's sort of a cauldron of ideas. Are, yeah. It's but, sort yeah. of a cauldron of ideas because... that are mm -hmm. that are swirling around. So when he says that was always the plan, from a certain point of view, that's true. It's 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 just the details of I don't yeah, think he he his yeah. actual yeah. dad. I yeah. don't think he realized that the Vader character and the father character were the same until yeah. he got into the writing of Empire. I agree yeah, with that because, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Because they do certainly set up Anakin Skywalker, um, your dad's lightsaber, mm -hmm. your dad, yeah. like, uh, and the the Uncle Owen kind of being like, fuck your dad. Like, he's, yeah. he's like, <laughs> no brother of mine. But, like, so there is something there. And whether he was thinking that a dad might show up later, he might meet up with him as a rebel or something like that is definitely possible. But there's no... There's no way, because even before the prequels come into play, there's like, at what point would Darth Vader have been like, hey, Obi-Wan, um, could you give this to my son when he comes of age? I'm a bad, bad guy now, and I like blow right. up planets, but mm -hmm. please, if you would. Like, you know, so even stuff like that doesn't fit, but I could see he was going for an angle, and then all of a sudden, something just clicked, and he probably looked back at what he had, and he was like, oh, fuck it. Like, those, I'll, we'll figure out, the, like, you know, those details aren't enough to spoil it. I believe there's a a picture of George Lucas's notes on the script where this may be in the J.W. Rinsler making of Empire, but you literally see the page of the script where George Lucas in his own handwriting has written Vader equals father exclamation point underlined circled. Like he right. just figured that out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. he just got the idea. So it is interesting uh, Murray, what you were saying about like it's possible we could see his father down the road. The Lee Brackett script, the very first script from from George Lucas's uh, you know notes and his ideas and his outline, you see the ghost of Anakin Skywalker, and there's this whole like knighting ceremony with the lightsaber where um, he cuts off his arms because you can't knight <laughs> somebody with a lightsaber. No, where um, <laughs> he administers like the Jedi oath or something to Luke and, and knights oh, him a Jedi knight and. Mm -hmm. And Alan Dean Foster, who was hired to write Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is actually the first official sequel to Star Wars, uh, which I reread recently, and it's is that not canon anymore? No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's EU. It wasn't. Oh. It wasn't canon by yeah. the time Empire came out. I feel like. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, but it was actually written as a potential low-budget sequel just in case Star Wars uh, wasn't a huge success. But George Lucas had this, you know, idea in his mind. He wanted, uh, there was a version of Star Wars 
where he kind of saw it as like a James Bond like franchise where he would make the first one, he would create the world. Mm -hmm. And then he would invite all of his filmmaker friends to come in and make their Star Wars. Oh, their Brian Star De Palma's Wars yeah. Star Wars, Francis Ford yeah. Coppola's Star Wars. That'd be interesting. That'd be very interesting. Well, there was Francis Ford Coppola's Star Wars. It's called Godfather. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or, but, but, but that came out first. Hey, uh, you could say George Star Lucas Wars is, me. is George Lucas's Godfather and literally his Apocalypse Now. He chose to direct mm -hmm. Star Wars when Apocalypse Now was actually supposed to be George Lucas's movie that right. he and John Milius were going to do together. But Fuck that shit. Uh, basically, yeah, you know, the gravity of No, I Am Your Father completely changes, completely warps the trajectory and the shape of what Star Wars is for the rest of its existence. It is not the, like, James Bond franchise where it's a new adventure, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Alan Dean Foster, getting back to Splinter of the Mind's Eye, when he met with George Lucas, <laughs> but Alan Dean Foster has said, he specifically said that, vader was a nobody he hmm. he's he's just a flunky the real well, villain is how, the, the real villain one, is the emperor yeah in yeah. the first one he's like more like just like an attack dog yeah than yeah. anything else yeah what makes vader important besides him like being a badass and choking up uh lieutenants left and right is basically his relationship to luke you know because he just seems right. like an evil presence who um and now that they established the emperor he's like literally kneeling in front of them he is a flunky yeah, uh, but it's yeah. because of his connection to Luke that makes him way more important than the Emperor. Yeah, could the ever most be. powerful henchman is still just a henchman, you know. Exactly. Like it's a, no, there's something interesting about the, the the no, I'm your father being like a final twist because the movie has like a bunch of twists, not even with expectations. Like, yeah, the big battles right up front, but then it's just like, oh, they're in a cave. Oh wait, no, that's not a cave. Oh, they're in Cloud mm. City. Everything's safe. Oh no, wait, it's not safe. There's this crazy guy. No, wait, it's Yoda. And so like, yeah, you are kind of like one revelation after another, but they're minor. And so when you get this, it's just like exactly. kind of like those set you up with like jabs and then it comes in like the haymaker. Another another jab moment too is when Lando frees them. And he's like, there's still time to save Han. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. really? And they don't. <laughs> yeah. And like, yep. that's like a little minor yeah. twist as well. John, we've talked about this in the past, that that whole sequence, the culmination of that whole sequence yes, of, of trying to reach the Slave One for... And escaping from Cloud mm -hmm. City. When they're escaping from Cloud City and R2, he opens the door and they're running out to the Falcon. Like that for me is my, is my favorite, I don't know what you want to call it. Moment. Like moment sequence like scene in yeah. in Star Wars. There's, I mean, it's no one thing. It's really like the alchemy of it, the stakes. The the music, the color, the shots, uh, the yeah. the urgency with the actors when he's like, yeah, yeah, go and all yeah, that stuff. It's like that little few minutes where they're running across the landing pad to get to the Falcon and they're shooting at the stormtroopers and then they take off. Like that for me, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, is my favorite Star Wars moment. That's cool. I don't know. I don't know why. I just love it so much. It's funny because that goes right into mine, which is a little bit more cliche, but that's going straight into uh Vader and Luke. Uh, when they really go into the depths of Cloud City, there's something about the way they shoot their duel. I love the three phases of it. I love how it starts off with Vader just kind of toying with Luke, fighting with one hand, and then <laughs> he's, he's like all too easy. He thinks he's, he thinks he has it in the bag, but Luke keeps it up. So then Vader shows him how powerful the Force is by throwing all this luggage at him, and he sends him through a window, and yet Luke still persists, and he still persists. Yeah. And then Vader at this point, he's like, okay, I'm going to take my belt off and beat him into a quarter. But what's actually <laughs> kind of powerful about that moment 
is for the rare occurrence in the Star Wars movie, they're like, no music. No music. And oh, yeah. No music. And, and, it, and, and, it take, and it makes it way more imposing. And he just comes out fucking at 100 miles an hour. Boom, 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 boom. Hit it, he's, and like, he's, driving. he's like, I am done. I yeah. am done with this game. Exactly. Yep. I and have a like, point. He, I want to get to it. And he yeah. just might kill him if Luke makes him like, like literally like, like, the like only an reason abusive... he doesn't kill him is he doesn't want to kill him. You can almost hear right. the abusive per you can almost hear the abusive words coming out of his out of his mouth. You're making me do this. Don't make me yeah. do this. Yep. Yeah. As yeah. he's dude. doing that to his son. You know, and then yeah. he cuts his fucking hand off and well, because uh, he has that's to end crazy. it. And but that's man like crazy for like him to get his hand cut off like exactly. i would never expect that in star wars exactly and oh, yeah. but leading up into that moment like it's a high shot you see there's an infinite abyss below them surrounded by the the brilliant lights of the matte painting and the mirrors the glowing sabers they spark when they hit the railings and when mm -hmm. they hit a railing it's like a bell it's like boom and you yeah. just ring out yeah. in the space they shout like, out to ben burke Yes, and also shout out to Mickey in, in the we were talking about the book of Boba Fett. Means like when you're defining the space that you're having action in. Yeah, and and it all leads to that moment, man, where he's like he's like, he's like talking hard too. He's like, "Don't make me fucking destroy you." He's like, "Don't," yeah. and then like and Luke's like, "No, fuck you," and he hits him in the shoulder. And when he hits him in the shoulder, he's like, "That's when Vader's done." Okay, exactly. We are done. We are done. And then he yeah. cuts off his fucking arm. And he's I'm like, turning this car around right now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and like, it's but, like but a there's Nigo something... Montoya, right? Like, like Vader's just being like using his left hand, like you know, yeah. not doing anything. And then when he gets hit, he's just like, "All right, yeah, this, is, yeah, I'm done and playing it, with you." Like, fuck. And this. so basically, like the the culmination of them fighting on that catwalk to me is like my favorite Star Wars moment. And I think it's because of that word, the culmination. It's the mm. culmination of those two characters coming to a like an organic conflict, mm. and the movie is going like. Literally, just going like, shh, shh, just watch, <laughs> yeah, just watch, yeah, yeah. shut yeah, up, just watch, true, yeah, and yeah. then like, and I fucking love that moment That's so cool. much, which happens like right after uh, Josh's favorite moment. Like, how yeah. perfect is this movie, man? And right <laughs> after my favorite moment, my favorite moment's when Han Solo comes back in uh, New Hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's my favorite. But Star Wars he has movement. an amazing character moment when um when Lando's like already made a deal and the door opens mm. up. Mm -hmm. He sees Vader. Oh, what does Han do? He doesn't say a damn shoots. word. He takes out his gun and starts shooting. Once him. again, yeah. similarly yeah. to when he's to when he's in a corner, his first instinct mm -hmm. is to take yeah. the fight to them. He doesn't even skip a beat. He's like, and he he just pulls out his gun and he's and like, he tries to kill. That's character him. through action. That's that's character yeah. moments and character story through just him doing it. And, and that's then the way it, it should be. Like if you're yes. at war and you have the opportunity to end that war with no one else dying except like, for the person, like. No, it's That's so yeah. great. It, it's like... so great how I mean, it's really it's it's kind of glossed over, but like it's so great how like he takes one look, he doesn't he doesn't hesitate. He just yeah, he, he takes his gun out, and he starts shooting. And he, um, and it's also his other hand is holding Leia, who's behind him, and and almost yeah, looks like she's awesome... like kind of like almost like 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 tugging on him a little bit, or like you don't know if he's protecting her, but like it's all there to just like project onto, which is great choreography. It's great uh, yeah. uh, blocking for actors. It's great. But yeah, the, no hesitation. Yeah. And then following up on that uh, moment, the culmination of the culmination, if you will. <laughs> the culmination um, of the culmination. <laughs> we alluded to earlier for a second, but Luke decides to kill himself. Yes. Yeah. He totally he, lost yes. on me and, until I was no, older and no, learned what totally lost was. on me. Totally lost on me when I was a kid. <laughs> but like, he's like, okay, I'm backed into a corner. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I'm mm. going to choose death. Yeah. And his face when he does it, 
is very calm. Yeah, he's like, yeah, okay. he's very, right. like, he's like, he's it's like, that you same know what? He's kind like, of peace he's... that he had in the um, remember, like when he's trying to get his lightsaber, he can, mm. and so he like mm. gets that like calm about him, but yeah. so he can like gather the strength to do like what needs to be done to, to get out of the situation. Exactly, and then, and it's like a message to his father. He's like, yeah. I'm choosing this over you, but that's yeah. when something snaps. I think in Vader's brain, he's like, because... oh shit, like. Like, yeah. like this isn't like my designs on how this is all going to play out is and, not and, the way it's going to go. And the culmination of this, to use that word over and over and over again, is at the end when he's trying to telepathically talk to his son and then they go off into hyperspace. In that moment, they've already established in the movie when stuff like that happens, he kills the person that let them go. So the entire bridge is looking at Vader like, who's he going to kill? And he just mm -hmm. walks away and he's lost in his mind. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. Uh, like now all I can think of while he's walking silently across the bridge is he is literally rethinking all his life choices. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and <laughs> if you think that, about yeah. like, if you, not to take it too dark and you think about the abusive father metaphor, but like, if you think about it, he's abusing his kid so much that his kid kills himself in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. And so he's yeah. like, fuck, he hit rock bottom. So, and so like, and it... so at that moment, it's like, he's like, you said, Josh, he's rethinking everything and that's why i'm returning the jedi he's a totally different guy totally different so is it is it coincidental that he survives that or is like does vader help him survive that like no it's a chance no, it's no i don't think so full yeah. chance. I, I think the way think they chance. they try to establish it is that and there's it's like it's like sucking air it's exactly. like it's oh, like that's where all the wind is coming from exactly yeah that's exactly it's just sucking air and all the garbage out of the vents into into the sky yeah. Is this, this is going back a little bit in the movie, but is this the only time aside from, I want to say Last Jedi, that they've kind of explored Luke's like force power of being able to like see the future or a possibility of the future? Right. Cause I that's how he, so. cause that's well, how he knows about Han. Like, cause he has that, the yeah. visions about Han and all them before they even get to Cloud City. There's no visions like this in A New Hope. So um, this is the first time yeah. they established that. But it's also the, the last time up until he talks about reading Ben Ben Solo's future, right? Sure, or possible but, but, future. But that's also the reason why Anakin goes bad is because he has a lot of visions about Padme. Uh, right. Yeah, um, true. And it yeah. could be one reason why uh, Luke kind of could see that his dad has hope like you know could that be. he could turn him because he could yeah it could be yeah it's speculation but, uh just one more thing on that decision to let go and like as far as he's concerned he's he's choosing to die that's another kind of reversal that you're not expecting you, yeah. you don't expect the hero mm -hmm. to kill himself yeah yep <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's like and it's like i feel like if this was made nowadays or like when they tried to say with i'm not taking shots at last jedi you know i'm I'm mixed on it, but I lean mostly towards liking it. But like, oh, I'll convert there's so you. much, there's <laughs> so much effort in, in like, all right, how are we going to like flip this on its head? How are we going to like, rather than just like, you know, me just tell the story for the sake of like the story dictates everything and don't try to beat it to the punch. Like it, cause I mean, I've had instances where I had a character in mind and then they have a conversation. And by the time the conversation's done, the main character's sexuality has changed and I have to go back and mm -hmm. and redo stuff because it mm -hmm. just that's just what happens. That's where the, the story led you. Yeah. Yep. So and, um to wrap up uh, Well, I have one question for you before yes, no. could you imagine writing a whole movie in which every character fails 
the whole time. Like that's like how do that's you wild? How do you come to that idea as a a writer? That's another reason why this movie is so good because it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should right like and it shouldn't work like, and it does. And I do have to give George Lucas credit because this is all like sure like he didn't he didn't write the screenplay he's not great with dialogue um he wouldn't still he wouldn't story, have though. he wouldn't have taken the time on the set like to work with mm-hmm. the actors uh, the way that Irvin Kirshner did but the the choice to not do a traditional sequel he mm-hmm. he was doing something completely different and to not not wrap things up in a nice little bow yeah. at the end like this is everybody loses yeah everybody everything gets loses. worse and nothing gets accomplished like it's and just, yet uh... it still ends on a hopeful note yeah it's it, luke gets a new hand it's a beautiful yep. they, they they're all they all look healthy uh there's the galaxy yeah, i mean like they've had a shower and a uh, load of laundry yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> they're, they're, they're wearing like their nice little hospital robes there's like there's a the, the beautiful nebula behind them john williams music is soaring mm. uh lando is like trust me we're gonna go find Han Solo. Don't worry about it. It will get done. So you're like, okay, like this is this is still good. Like, and it's kind of going mm-hmm. back to what I was saying before about it's okay to fail. Like, the yeah. the ending to the movie kind of emphasizes yeah, that a little bit. Was like they fucked up, and it's like, but they're still going. And that's the just, whole no, point. Totally. It's such a high you know? art concept for a. I know it's like an indie film, like you were saying, because George Lucas was financing it, but it's a big movie at the same time. It's, it for, is to yeah. sit down. And not only write this weird space opera that's a already razor thin margin of failing or being just like a Doctor Who episode. No offense, because I know you're a big fan of that. But you know, but with the no taken, I get it, I get it. Yeah, but like, and then so you're sitting down, you're like, all right, I have to write this movie. But the idea I have is everybody fails. So you know, like you know, the main character gets his hand cut off and tries to kill himself. Like, like how do you, <laughs> how do you like? think of that like that's like well so again crazy. like people do not give george lucas as much credit as he deserves for for this movie i think the reason mm-hmm. why why it's as good as it is is because of his collaborators but but this mm-hmm. is him doing exactly what he wants to do his own way yeah taking a risk yeah he's taking yeah. up he's he's taking a big risk yes. and this sets us up perfectly for a third movie, like you know, there's going to be a third movie. He sets mm-hmm. himself up for there's going to be another one, right? And we will discuss next time Return <laughs> of the Jedi. And uh, once again, I don't really have a close. You're fucking if this you, up. Um, I am. <laughs> I'm always fucking this up. If you liked what you heard, uh, please visit trashcompod.com or trashcompod across all social media. Uh, please rate and review the show on the podcast platform of your choice. I want to thank my guests, John and Murray, and um, we'll see you on the next one.